1: betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc
0: here's a sample of a free podcast from the post wrestling cafe six dollars gets you through the door at postwrestlingcafe.com
2: Hello, and welcome to Post Wrestling's review of New Japan Pro Wrestling's New Beginning in Nagoya card. My name is Bruce Lord, and I am joined, as I so fortunately often am, by the one and only Karen Peterson, who I imagine has been having a very chill and quiet (laughs) couple of days goes as far as Japanese wrestling business is concerned. Karen, just nothing really to report.
3: Yeah, no, you know, just playing a little bit of Animal Crossing and wondering what could possibly be going on in the world, half a world away. And then the world caught fire Thursday night.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I was all set to come on this show, Karen, and in the absence of any real standout matches, or at least matches that I was especially excited about on the Nagoya card, I was going to maybe just ask you to tell the listeners a little bit about Nagoya, you know, maybe postulate some theories as to what they had done to deserve such a flat new beginning card in comparison to the ones in Osaka and Sapporo. Uh, But of course, all of that went out the window on Thursday night when news broke that Kazujiko Okada will be imminently leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, the official New Japan statement, as posted by their website, Kazuchika Okada will be leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling after the conclusion of his contract on January the 31st, 2024. We apologize to fans for the abrupt nature of this announcement, but join them in wishing Okada the very best in his future. As the new beginning series this weekend, Okada will appear on February dates on February 11th in Osaka and February 23rd and 24th in Sapporo. Changes will be made to forthcoming cards with an announcement to follow. We appreciate your understanding and continued support. Kazuchika Okada's statement. I have nothing but gratitude for having been a part of New Japan Pro Wrestling since 2007 and for New Japan Pro Wrestling bringing me from a 19-year-old kid off the plane in Mexico to the rainmaker I am today. Thank you to the best of companies in NJPW, to the best of opponents I've been able to face here and to the best of fans that have cheered and booed over the years. I promise to make it rain in every match I have left. So keep watching. Um, Look, there is just no overstating this. This is a tremendous blow to new Japan and a massive shakeup to Japanese wrestling in general. Um, I think it's safe to say, Karen, that the last roster move, which had a bigger impact on a Japanese company, would be the All Japan Exodus of 2000. That's obviously (laughs) a much bigger story for, for different reasons. But the fact that no single move or departure from a Japanese company of this level has happened in more than 23 years says something um you know having slept on this for a couple of nights i have a few thoughts uh to add to kind of the the laments and rending of garments uh which seem to be making up uh much of the reaction in pro circles uh as well as a couple of specific questions i'd like to get your takes on karen uh but just off the top of your head what was your immediate reaction to this news
3: well, as we've previously discussed, I wanted to proceed with tempered expectations, and I wanted to wait until something official was released by the company before throwing um, on you know, the good old tin foil hat and rolling out the conspiracy theory board. But hot dog, I was not prepared for this at all. I was literally relaxing on my couch, and I, you know, I was, made the Animal Crossing joke, but I was playing Animal Crossing with a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Threw open Twitter just to check on see if any, there are any updates for the show this weekend. And I nearly did a spit take when I saw the actual formal announcement, seeing the press release literally in black and white on Twitter and New Japan's website felt so surreal to the point that I was ready to check the calendar and be like, this isn't April 1st. Did did Evil go over to the editorial department again and like, you know, harangue somebody into posting this? Like, what is going on? And it's one of those things for like for all my protests of not wanting to get my imagination running until I saw something official, seeing it be, become official it felt like I was completely doused with cold water. Like I was like, mm. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I've, I've had very little sleep in the last few days because I'm just like my imagination is just running away with itself with itself. and it's like trying to trying to reel it back in. It's one of those things where it's like, of course, I'm excited. And you know, I want all the best for him, and I'm like very excited to see where this conversation goes because I feel like we're gonna be talking about Okada a lot more <laughs> than the Nagoya show. But yeah. to the, you asked the importance of Nagoya, uh, Okada's from Anjo, which is a city in uh, Aichi Prefecture, and the capital is Nagoya, so that is his home prefecture. It's his ho- he's the hometown boy. Um, I don't know why this show wasn't more exciting but it could be because typically on the new beginning tour, Osaka and Sapporo tend to be the bigger of the shows in that series. Nagoya is like that little, like, like the, 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 the launching, the, the new beginning as it were the launching point, but it's one of those things where I, I just don't know. Like I I'm excited, but there's just still a little bit of like tempered expectations of start. They're starting now because I am cautiously optimistic, but at the same time, I can't say that I'm, 100% like this is amazing because it. I mean it is amazing but I also am worried how New Japan is going to fare once Okada leaves because we've mm. talked in the past he is such an integral part of the last how how many years of their history and it's the you know I always make the joke Lal Okada wins Lal Okada wins well it couldn't it be to their detriment because he's won so much they haven't built up enough people
2: oh boy yeah, yeah to I, take over so that, yes yes
3: are they just going to yank the band? Like, I mean, I saw a meme where they had like Okada leaving and then they like, put the Tanahashi band aid on. And I was like, that's like, ki- that's not kind of unfair. But like, our is the n- new generation. They're not the future generation. They're the now generation. Like now, now. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, no, there's, I have, there's a lot to be read into how they are going to be positioning, not just, you know, the big four young guys currently in New Japan, but kind of everybody else, including people who were brought up a little bit before them, people who are still sort of kind of on the come up there, all manner of questions emerging out of that. Uh, Before I kind of get into my own uh, takes here, there were a couple of things that I wanted to throw by you, um, specifically because of, uh, you know, your time spent in Japan, your ability to kind of, you know read and understand Japanese and kind of have have a your finger a bit more on the pulse uh, of, of the Japanese fan base than most of us who follow New Japan from North America. One of the things that I texted you about kind of as soon as this news was breaking was the sense that I was getting that, you know, you alluded to the fact that those of us, you know, who are terminally online, you know, uh, pro fans, you know, the rumors were out there, right? You know, and it certainly wasn't, a, it didn't seem like it was a slam dunk thing, but it seemed like it was a, it was a real possibility, uh, you know, even heading into Wrestle Kingdom. I'm wondering if you can maybe talk a little bit as to why this might have come as more of a shock, I think, to your kind of just average, you know, how you know how show-based Japanese New Japan fan who they are trying to kind of, you know, bring out to whatever show when World Tag League comes through their smaller town or whatever it is. Why do you think there's been so much more shock, uh, I think, to the Japanese audience than there is to the North American audience?
3: I don't think they were expecting a second coming of the Rainmaker shock in this particular instance, honestly. <laughs> it's one of those things where in Japan, and you know, they've talked about it in you know on commentary as well, is that like in Japan, when you work for a company, you tend to stay in a company for a very long time, if not your entire career. And Okado, you know, came into the company at 19. He's 36 now. He's spent a significant portion of his life in this company. And you know, while they do have you know your your weekly pro wrestling magazine and your Tokyo Sports, where you know they were Japanese talent are always giving their you know interviews and their their raw comments that aren't necessarily as tailored as the ones that are on the websites. It, they're not as dialed into. I hate to say it, people with podcasts like us who you know rant and ramble and t- talk about all our feelings because they're more of the they want to enjoy the moment they want to enjoy the entertainment value that's their version of the wwe as it were like they want to believe the kayfabe they Mm, want to make it mm. you know it's real to them in that sense and it's also there's like that that like a more of a guarded barrier between the talent and the family the the barricade is more like 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 if you were going to to go to a theater you know the audience versus the stage people from the audience at the theater aren't hopping on stage and joining into the play for the most part without getting in trouble So it's one of those things where um, they're not as steeped into it as Western fans tend to be Uh, while they do follow news outlets like Tokyo sports. They prefer to live in the moment and Mm. they don't, you know, there are, you know, there are fans in Japan that do have YouTube channels and podcasts and stuff like that, but they don't play the guessing games like we do in the fantasy booking like we do until someone makes that official statement or it comes out in the news that they have signed with X company or they're leading this company or a Press release is released from the either the individual and or the company, and it's one of those things like much like Tanahashi, Okada has always been viewed as a lifer in that company. Right? You know, there are other people that have been like, "Well, I'm in New Japan for the rest of my life. This is where I'm going to retire," and then they end up leaving anyway, and that's fine. But Okada never, you know, he may have offhandedly said here or there, "Yeah, I would love to re- be in WrestleMania. Or, I would love to wrestle ex wrestler, what have you." And he's he, you know, I feel now that the announcement's out there the hesitant the the sorry not the hesitancy but like the, the rush to get the danielson match in and get other things in makes more sense
4: mm-hmm.
3: um but you know with the comfort of okada and tanahashi always being there that's why it was the fans were okay with nakamura leaving despite him being arguably one of their biggest talents in the modern era to, i mean there was there was a bit of heartbreak when Kushida left but not to the extent of shinsuke leaving and going to wwe but i think that's why shinsuke was comfortable leaving because they had okada he gave chaos to okada he gave the company to okada and said i give you my mantle please do what you will Mm -hmm. and you know he left shinsuke left in 2016 it's been some time and it's one of those things like you know new japan since shinsuke's departure has started to be or you know has become a place where people who get released from WWE or AEW, they go to New Japan for a career renaissance. Take Kenta, for example, or Moxley, or Kingston coming and checking off things off of his bucket list. And it, But it's always, no matter who came in since 2016 when Nakamura left, Okada was always there. He was always in the wings to hop into a title picture program, to win the G1, to win the New Japan Cup. He's always been there. And for the fans, that's like, we always made the joke that, you know, putting Okada in a main event is the safe bet. It's a comfortable bet, but I can guarantee you any, any venue in Japan, if Okada walks in the moment, it's just like when Naito, Naito's music hits, you hear those coins drop and the fans, it doesn't matter if he's on the first match of the night, which he never is, or the last match of the night, the fans will lose their mind for Okada every single time. And for them, it didn't matter if he was heel or if he was face, Okada... From when he came back from excursion, he came back as the rainmaker. He always had this like almost otherworldly, untouchable quality to him, where you know other wrestlers in Hon were doing meet and greets, and people in chaos were doing meet and greets. But Okada was always like, "Oh, Okada's always like kept mm. a- away from the 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 the, the, the hoi, folk, as it were. <laughs> the rainmaker and his Lamborghini don't no don't, don't mingle amongst the rest of us." So it was one of those things where you know that's always been like, the goal for them is always to, like, to revere Okada and treat him like he's something special because he is someone special. And, you know, even in recent years, especially with the passing of Inoki, the way that he leaned into that and was like, I I, I am the future of the company. I have been here. And it's one of those things, like, I could see that had Tanahashi not taken over for Obari last month, that it could have been Okada a few years from now when Okada Mm -hmm. decided to transition out of in-ring competition and who's to say that after wherever he goes for the next couple of years when he's in his 40s and he's like you know i don't want to do this anymore and tanahashi's like you know i'm in my 50s i'm ready to just like go lay on a beach somewhere or go hang out at a japanese hot spring okada it's your it's your ball game here's the book like just let me go so it's one of those things where i feel like no matter where okada goes in the world should he ever choose to come back, they're gonna be, they're gonna be well waiting, oh, waiting yeah, yeah, to welcome yeah. him back with open arms. But it's, you know, it's just one of those things like like I said before, while we may bemoan the comfortable and safe, reliable choice that is Okada, now the company needs to figure out, you know, who Okada was without the belt. That was his journey. Now the company needs to find out who they are without Okada.
2: Hmm. Hmm. You've already talked about this a, a little bit there, but you know, in talk, you know, comparing this departure to Nakamura's, uh, or you know, kind of comparing the transition of power from Tanahashi over to Okada. I mean, we know that the whole, you know, the the presentation and the story and the legend of Tanahashi is ah, you know, bringing us out of the dark days of Enokiism and everything like that, and drawing people back to New Japan. It's obviously still very early. Uh, but how do you think the 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 Japanese fan base views the difference or distinguishes between either kind of the, the, Tanahashi era and the Okada era or Tanahashi as representative as face of the company versus uh, Okada as face of the company. And what those uh, what Okada means to the people in a perhaps a different way than he did, than Tanahashi did.
3: It's one of those things where, you know, when you have somebody like a Tanahashi who becomes the premier talent at a company, you, you, you we all know as much as we love our premier talent, At some point, we need to think who's going to queue up next, who's going to be the one to not not just dethrone them, but be able to handle the pressure and the expectations and be able to shoulder the company anytime the company needs them. Yes, Naito's been there. Yes, you know, other people have been there, but no one has been consistently in Tanahashi's uh, like hot on his feet, surpassed him, been worked with him. You know, when he, they had the, you know, the 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 superpowers handshake a few years ago, mm-hmm. that was, a, you know, that was a big thing. Them t- tagging together as the Never Six Men champions, that's a big thing. So it's one of those things where Okada will always be someone special to Japanese professional wrestling. Okada is, will be a name that they are going to remember for a very long time. Is there going to be an Okada-ism arc of New Japan at some point in time? Who knows? But I feel like fan- even though he- he's leaving, he will never leave the hearts of the Japanese people because mm-hmm. they- he's just too beloved by... by, And you know yeah, he's beloved abroad as well. But him attaining this status and bringing as many eyes to the product after the departure of many people like Omega and Osprey and Jay White and the Bucks and everyone else, Okada's always been here. But now it's the people want to queue up to fight okada and that's the pride that they get to hold and be like he's ours he represents us and i think that's what makes like that's why they hold they hold him so dear if that makes sense. And
2: that's and that's really kind of I think this the, the kind of the sense of kind of wounded grief that I'm seeing, you know, on discord channels and whatnot, you know, from both North American fans who are just like diehard, you know, New Japan is their ride or die company, uh, as well. Uh, yeah, and you know, certainly from Okada's perspective, a friend of mine has been regularly pointing out, look, this is such a win win situation for him. You know, he gets to spend five years or whatever it might be, uh, in whichever company he wants. And then at a moment's notice, Moon walks back into New Japan and is instantly uh Five... there, positioned at the top to take on whoever happens to be at the top of the company at that point.
3: He's thirty six. Five years from now, he'll be forty one. You know who's forty one? Naito Ishimori. Like he'll be fine if he yep. da- if he goes to wherever and doesn't like it, he can always go home. He can yeah. go into yep. entertainment. It's. He still has options. Uh,
2: A couple of my larger thoughts and just to the whole question, you know, of where he's going, obviously, you know, both, you know, there's certainly no public word as to, you know, which way he's leaning in terms of which of the major North American companies he might be joining. You know, your various reporters have their own theories and observations. Um, You know, as somebody who just purely subjectively enjoys AEW a lot more than wwe i hope it's not wishful thinking on my part to believe uh that tony khan wasn't tweeting out that marlo stanfield gif unless he had things pretty much uh locked down because otherwise that's gonna age like you know day old milk um it is crazy we've alluded to it here or, or there it is crazy karen to think that the aj styles and shinsuke nakamura departure eight years ago and i remember where i was watching wrestle kingdom and a friend of mine checking his phone and going oh my god you'll never believe what's going on um it's crazy to think that just the total sheer power or sheer star power departing that company all at once that that could ever be eclipsed but that's where we are with both okada and osprey leaving at the same time that's just a tremendous tremendous power vacuum um In retrospect, you know, if you think back to the New Japan shows that you and I did over the course of 2023, Karen, we talked a lot last year about how, okay, fine, Okada's 2023 had a lot of great matches, and yes, fine, he held the title for the first half of the year, but apart from that you know what what did he really do in 2023 he lost to sonata when they wanted to pull the trigger on him he elevated the never six-man titles and they teased the kaito kiyomiya feud which never really materialized really really seems like a, an opportunity that's been lost to the sands of time i don't think no matter where he goes i don't think i don't think tony khan if it is AEW, is going to be you know uh allowing kaito you know spending time with okada uh you know getting kaito kimiya over um now obviously <laughs> you know, if, we, if we're kind of looking at this in, in retrospect, you know, could Gato and the front office have predicted this departure? You know, and again, I'm, I'm willing to say, sure, fine. You know, it's it, it seemed unlikely, perhaps, right? Like we said, it's kind of unprecedented in terms of modern Japanese history. But if you do want to lead, or excuse me, read the Obari departure as something of a, you know, olive branch or a make good uh, towards Okada, as some people have, you have to sort of say, okay, they had to be aware that this was a possibility that might happen. And I think this really puts the kind of the philosophical conflict between Gato and the front office that we've been hearing about over the past couple of years in terms of the speed with which younger talent is being elevated into a sharper light. And I think that's really the big question that Japan, New Japan is now facing. Not only have none of your four recently returned Young Lions no more. Obviously, none of them have beaten Okada in a singles match. None of them will have had, at least as of today, none of them will have had a singles match with Kazuchiko Okada before he leaves. Um, Master Wato Master did have one with him back in 2022, though. So don't worry. Wato totally got the Okada rub. Um, you know, if we're comparing this to Osprey, right? Osprey did have singles matches last year with Suji and Umino, both of which Osprey won, but both of which you know, to varying degrees were credited as real breakout performances that helped to establish those two guys. If you look back, cast your mind back, Karen, to 2022, when we had the Okada and Jonah program that was kind of being worked through the G1 with no clear guarantee whatsoever that Jonah would be sticking around the company in order to get the most out of that incredible G1 loss, which Okada gave to him. I'm not complaining about them doing that. I thought that was smart booking then. I think it's smart booking now. My point is that the company has shown that it is willing to and knows how to get the most out of booking Okada to lose. They just were not quick enough to the draw with their own guys, with their own you know homegrown talent who you know are theoretically the reins are being handed over to at some point and who are theoretically sticking around a hell of a lot longer longer than jonah was and to whom you have much more regular access than kiyomiya right although that's kind of a bit of a push right now with the state of knowing and the question is to whether or not he might be signed uh to new japan in a couple wouldn't of be weeks mad,
3: wouldn't be mad at it
2: no, absolutely not. Absolutely when, not. When
3: Okada comes back at 41, Q will be in his mid-30s getting ready to go to WWE. So you know what? Uh, have to match then.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess my point there is that like, you know, I think something like that shows that they were sort of taking Okada's presence for granted, right? And not actually, you know, getting their work that. done of laying the foundations early on. <laughs> Lastly, now... Uh, in terms of the discourse around this and people kind of, you know, pressing the panic button in terms of what this means for new Japan. And I do think that like some, a measured degree of panic is warranted here. Does new Japan's biggest homegrown star leaving the company while he is still very much positioned as the top guy, does that give me some concern as a fan of that promotion? Somebody who does still view it as having the highest benchmark for in-ring wrestling uh, and, Who, you know, I agree with Chris Charlton and other people who've been sort of saying, no matter what, New Japan remains the greatest kind of field for gaining and demonstrating in-ring skills. Yeah, obviously, as somebody who loves and respects New Japan for those reasons, yeah, I'm concerned. Do I want New Japan or Japan in general, now with all of the, the WWE, all Japan stuff happening, or possibly happening, do I want Japan to become an effective developmental for the U.S. market? Hell no. However, I will say this. As a pro wrestling fan, I want more opportunities, not just for dream matches and cross promotional cards, but for wrestlers as workers whose ability to negotiate for better salaries and to rest back some of their (laughs) surplus value within a competitive marketplace. And if you have a range of employment opportunities where a combination of money, money, work-life balance. We know that the whole question of, you know, uh, Okada being able to possibly still being able to live in Japan, If if he goes with AEW, the question of his wife's career in Japan, that's an issue. So things like that, creative fulfillment, and a whole host of other factors, which end up dictating where wrestlers work, rather than just, you know, geography, where they're born, or rather than just an effective US monopoly, or rather than the almost, you know, dare I say it, kind of almost feudal developmental system that you know most of the Japanese companies still run, I take that amount of movability or that flexibility that somebody like Okada is willing to take advantage of, I take that as a net positive at a global sort of level. As much as I want you know, the New Japan and AEW partnership to work out well for both companies, people who are talking right now about how AEW shouldn't be in the market for Okada and are thus hurting their partner... They're ignoring the fact that look, all of this me all that means is that one he'd just end up in the WWE making less money as somebody like Nakamura and Styles did a few years ago before AEW was even a possibility, and that that sort of collusion, right? Theoretically, AEW not offering a free agent a competitive salary or a competitive contract, that's the sort of you know I'll call it collusion, right? Which kept so many wrestlers from being able to make as much money as they definitely deserved during the territorial days here in North America. And if you look at the history of that sort of collusion in other traditional sports, baseball or whatever it is, that's ugly, ugly stuff. So my point here is... Yes, are are there some downsides to this whole situation for New Japan? Uh-huh, definitely. Does it perhaps mean that, you know, Japan's position within the global market might be weakened or that, you know, Japan is kind of the, the bulwark of, of, of professional wrestling might be being chipped away at? Yeah, possibly. But I do not think that that is an excuse to either criticize Okada for taking the bag or Correct. for AEW or WWE, whoever it ends up being, Offering him the sort of money that a generational talent like his deserves. So that's that's my little rant there. Uh, I, I don't know if any of that cr- you know crosses against anything uh, you've been feeling or, or you've been thinking, Karen.
3: No, you and I are pretty much on the same page. I am all for people getting paid what they are worth, and I think we you know we we talked about it in the before with Okada is that he uh, other than going for the King of Pro Wrestling Championship and the Junior Titles, he's done everything in New Japan.
2: Yep. Yep. He's been everything
3: there a long ex- time. Oh, there sorry. Is very... I was just gonna
2: say everything except for getting the four younger guys over, which is which is actual comments. <laughs> uh,
3: but it's one of those things where there isn't much left for him to do. And I think as a lot of his peers that are in his age bracket, people that he's had five-star classics with and like heated rivalries with, as more and more of them are showing signs of wear and tear or going for surgery or getting going away on medical for extended periods of time because their body just can't do it anymore. Okada, I think is being smart in the sense that he's thinking about his physical health long-term. If he wants to give back to the company when he's older, when he's in in the new Japan dad stage, when he hits his fifties or whatever, or his sixties or whatever, he's thinking about, you know, he's also a very tall guy. You know, I love a good yeah. old two meter drop kick, but when you're two meters tall and you're, you're you know you're doing all of that miles landing back up up earlier, yep. Your joints, your back, you know, and you know he's had you know issues where you know he's been taped up a lot for you know different tournaments and stuff. Where it's like I don't want to see my the, the people I cheer for the promotions I want. I always get worried when I see people taped up. Yes, I know that they're 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 done with professionals. They know what they're doing, but it's just like I'm just like. Go, go lay on a beach for a couple of months. Go, you know, you know, people make jokes about Shinsuke surfing on his days off here in Florida. But you know what? If it means that he's able to have a long and healthy career or longer than he would expect it, because, you know, professional athletes, they're they're they can't go do it their their entire Mm -hmm. lives. The ones that force themselves to go way too long, like Muto, uh, it shows and people don't enjoy it. Some people do, but a lot of people don't. Um, and it's, it's just one of those things where I have so many thoughts about where he could go out of, I'm going to put, well, two and a half options out there (laughs) because when I get to the third option, you'll be like, Karen, that's not an option. Oh, (laughs) I think I might
2: know what it is. And I, it might not be (laughs) as crazy as you're suggesting, but go ahead.
3: Uh, well, we'll start with WWE. All right. So for me, like when the announcement was made. The discussion of his free agency, you know, came out with Sports Illustrated. Justin Barrasso, love his work. But usually when it gets covered by Justin Barrasso, there's always some... I don't know if there's, like, extra gravity added to the conversation or it feels more real because Sports Illustrated covers other professional sports Mm -hmm, besides mm -hmm, wrestling. Certainly, yeah. Um, But, like, unlike Osprey, who was signed to AEW while still under contract with New Japan, and it was made into this giant public spectacle with him showing up at a show well over a month prior to Wrestle Kingdom when they were still setting up his match for Wrestle Kingdom with his championship, Okada's announcement was so abrupt Thursday night that it sent shockwaves everywhere. Um, And it was, you know, it was, you know, seeing the release of the, the press release in black and white with you know, the the logo that we all dread because it either means someone's injured or something terrible's happening. And, you know, to an extent, yeah, this is kind of terrible, but it's also kind of wonderful because if, I hate to say it, if New Japan can't afford to keep Okada, then he needs to go somewhere where he, people or he can get paid what he's worth it was the same conversation i made about mercedes monet if they could not keep afford to keep her if someone else is willing to give her pay her what she's worth and say any other talent go get that bag go make that yep. money i i i don't pay okada's bills i don't support his family i can't decide as a fan what's best for him to do so if this is what he chooses that's his choice if he doesn't like it wait finishes his contract leaves it's fine. Um. But again, like I was saying before, if he was going to AEW, I feel like there would be even on commentary there'd be the conversation like he'll still work limited New, New Japan dates like they do with Osprey or Moxley or Kingston like there like it wouldn't feel so final. But the fact that they had to scramble and be very clear that once February hits, he is only working three days to finish up the three tour stops in Osaka and the two in Sapporo to the point where they moved the never open weight championship match from Osaka to his final match in Korakuen Hall, which is traditionally Mm -hmm. the place Mm -hmm. New Japan sends uh, other than New Beginning or the Tokyo Dome. That is where they send somebody off when they are leaving the company. It is... It is the, you know, it is the mecca of, of combat sports in Tokyo. That is their Madison Square Garden. That is the place where stuff goes down. So, and then changing the Osaka match to, of all matches, a of singles match against Tanahashi in the arena, in the osaka Eddie arena where the Rainmaker Shock happened. Mm-hmm. It's... It feels very final. It feels like they are getting every last dr- last drip out of that oh, like that Okada orange. They're just squeezing every last bit out to make sure that the fans in Tokyo are happy, the fans in Sapporo are happy, the fans in Nagoya, well, he's the hometown boy. They're going to love him regardless. It doesn't really matter. But on Osaka, we know how Osaka can be about everything. So... Then I think, well, what does, like, pros and cons real quick, what does WWE have to offer Okada? Consistently shorter matches. Yes, he'll if he is in a pay-per-view program, he'll have longer matches. But for the most part, he's not expected to have a five-star classic every Monday night or every Friday night. He can have lighter matches. Uh, he can make an arguably obscene amount of money with merch. Unfortunately, it won't be very good design merch like it was in New Japan, but that's neither here nor there um but if if wwe you know they've been known to handle very big contracts for very Mm -hmm. big people if they're offering him a not what nakamura makes now without going to nxt just straight to maine why not uh you know reuniting with shinsuke they they're 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 buddies he he they could go surfing together in florida it's fine um but like i said before i don't pay their bills if that's what he wants and that's enough to take care of his family yeah, his wife is a famous voice actress, Uh, but thanks to the internet, she can work remotely if she wants to, or she can hop a plane, or, you know, I mean, he could always become a house husband, whatever. It's fine. But the cons, of course, are with WWE, if they're, depending on how they're doing the roadshow programs, he could be on the road more. He's only going to be home two days a week. Uh, Again, potentially bad t-shirt designs. Uh, There is a heavy reliance on spoken promos, but yeah. I think with t- Triple H now remembering what it was like with nakamura and asuka and other other japanese talent in nxt they're they're giving non-native speakers of english the ability to speak in their native language either with you know video packages with subtitles or you know a a a native English speaking mouthpiece that they can work off of and bounce things off of. But Okada also speaks a fair bit of English and people don't give him enough credit for that. Yes, he doesn't speak it very often. But again, if you're in front of 20,000 people and you don't want to speak, you're not speaking in your native language, anyone who can do that, I have respect for. I said the same thing about Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr. when they speak in Japanese, when Thomas speaks in Japanese. If you're trying, that's, that's more than enough. And I wish more Western fans would understand that because they're not the ones in that ring with that live mic on live TV, as what chance are going down? So, uh, uh, what other ideas? Uh, yes, there has been some inconsistency with their presentation of Japanese talent. I'm not going to forget the Hideo Tommy days. I'm not going to mm-hmm. forget Kushida or Serae or Ike manjiro Yes, we do have or Portezawa
2: in- still, still, you know, <laughs> toiling to, to away Z- in, the, in the in
3: the. He's con- doing his lines. best. <laughs> That's all I can say. But you know. You have Asuka, you have Kyrie, you have Io, you have Nakamura who are now getting more consistent spotlight, programs of interest, rivalries. And, you know, Okada trademarking Rainmaker and probably also putting in eventually to trademark his name means if he were to go to WWE like Shinsuke, he would not need to change his name.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Like in Okada, Asuka had to change her name. Kensa had to change his name. Io even had to change the spelling of her name. Uh, and, you know, Ike Manjiro can't use Ike Manjiro anymore because he's now WWE copyrighted. So he's had to use a different name. So, talking about Nakamura leaving. So when Nakamura signed with WWE, it was announced January 27th in Tokyo via press conference. His final match with New Japan was uh, January 1st, or 30th. 2016 at the Rotent new beginning in koharaku and hall my tinfoil hats going on guys it was chaos which was a nakamura okada and ishii versus tanahashi shibata in goto nakamura Mm -hmm. was 36 36 is the magic number here when he went to wwe and he'll be 44 next month so when nakamura left he was he was confident the company was in good hands because he had tanahashi there he had okada there and i think it was more about same thing with, with Okada possibly leaving. It was a self-awareness about his physical condition, what he wanted to do for his family, what things goals he had as a wrestler, and the limitations that are going to become apparent as you age in a sport that is this demanding. Uh, and, you know, later in 2016, Nakamura debuted at NXT TakeOver WrestleMania weekend, which would be coming up in April. Uh, Okada has the, the slight advantage with the experience of working ROH, more often working in AEW, working in New Japan of America, where he's had more exposure consistently in front of a Mm -hmm. foreign audience. Mm -hmm. Um I was listening to Way and Neil discuss uh what about what about the casual fans and how they would react to Okada and I got an answer. So in twenty January twenty fifth twenty sixteen watching the Royal Rumble for the first time in a very long time the buzzer counts down to entrant number three and AJ Styles walks in. I had at the time I only watched WWE. I had no idea who the phenomenal one was and and watching the crowd lose their mind and AJ Styles just sauntering out, you know, I love that. Well, after they cut
2: back away from Roman, but yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, but, but that was the thing is that it was this whole thing. Like they're talking about the highest free agent. They mentioned the IWGP championship. I'm like, IWGP championship. What's that? And it was one of those things where, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I felt extreme FOMO back then because i had i had you know i had heard about finn being in new japan i had heard about shinsuke being in new japan but it, was, it, it didn't feel real to me because i didn't know how to access it at the time and you know back then january 2016 when that rumble happened it was five days before the end of january where his contract was technically ended next weekend is the royal rumble in tampa there are no shows scheduled for New Japan between January 25th mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, February 1st. Mm-hmm. And Okada's only remaining dates are in February. So, I'm here like we may be I, I don't I, I don't want to get excited about it, but I if I I want I can still remember how I feel when that when AJ made his entrance at the Rumble. If they're able to have that, I don't care who you are. If you're dialed into enough wrestling, you will know what that sound means. And You know what
2: I mean? If, absolutely. And even if you are, you know, the hypothetical casual fan who has no idea who Kazuchika Okada is and whatnot, I feel like the WWE product and specifically the audience are in such tune and harmony with one another right now. Like you look at the the degree to which, not to get on a whole other issue here, but the degree to which, to my mind, a lot of, let's just say not great in ring acts are still getting reactions on nxt and things like that you know the audience is totally willing to play ball and if you do you know anything that's a modicum of what they gave to aj and just say this guy is the greatest wrestler in japan he is a huge deal he has headlined the tokyo dome x times blah 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 if you do that and have whoever it is that he is immediately booked with or programmed with. Uh, it was Neil, I can't remember if it was Neil or way was suggesting Walter or whoever it might be. Let's go. Like if you do that, the crowd will react. The crowd will get on board. You know, I think people really kind of overstate this, you know the idea that like the hypothetical casual fan is just going to like lose their mind if a wrestler that they have not seen before ever comes up and it's like look how how were wrestlers introduced to the WWE for the past 40 years you know it's it's not rocket science here so so yeah no I I definitely would not be worried about their ability to yeah bring him in and get him slotted into whatever spot and whatever program they would want him to be if he does go there
3: well, okay. And the other thing what was,
2: about what
3: was, about AEW? <laughs> real, real quick, but sure. also to follow that was give him a monster run like Oscar. He doesn't need to be thrown to a title program right away, but just have him start running through everyone and everything. Make people who don't know who he is learn who he is. So AEW, he's familiar with the. He's obviously familiar with the show format. He's worked with a lot of wrestlers. You know, Omega, the Bucks, Rocky, Chaos, Shibata, Blackpool Combat Club. Potentially like a lighter weekly travel schedule, um, competitive salary to WWE, uh, be able to continue working programs and or continue working with New Japan like Moxley, Kingston, et cetera. Uh, flexible travel schedule without having to relocate. But I feel like if they're going to go through all the trouble of signing him, they would want to put him on TV, especially after the loss of Punk and Omega being out on medical. They're, they're going to want to push him. Unfortunately, that might be the detriment to other talent. Cons very packed, stacked upper tier. You know, you have MJF, you have Hangman, you have Swerve, you got Danielson, Mox. You know, a whole bunch. I don't follow AEW as closely as other people do, but I am aware that there is a very large pool of very talented people that are not getting title shots. And, and with like Osprey
2: coming in right at the same and, time as well, that's a tremendous influx of, of just guys at the top that are going to go, going to block somebody else's push. Yes.
3: Well, and that was the thing is that you know his arrival this shortly after Osprey started basically starting in March could eclipse every, you know, Osprey spent the last eight years clawing his way out from Okada. You don't want to bring Okada right back. Like, you don't want Okada chasing him into AEW because then you've just undone what they just did like a week ago at the, Hell in the Valley. Like they, they need the two of them need time apart. Yes. Honestly, to wrestle other people, to go explore the world, whatever. Um, it could conversely impact AEW's relationship with partner companies like DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro, who regularly send their talent to America, including Takeshita leaving DDT to go to AEW, and he's another name that should be in that mm. title picture that isn't. Um, I'm still waiting on to figure out what the end game or the dividends are going to be for Jay White in AEW. Yeah. I, I figured at some point he would be near the title picture, not just in a tournament for potentially a title shot of some kind. Um, And they've also signed away a lot of talents like Juice, Best Friends, Aussie Open. It's one of those things where that that alone in the last year and a half, AEW has significantly benefited over New Japan. Yes, he's leaving New Japan, but I feel like in his heart, he still has a, a modicum of loyalty and respect for the company. Not that going to AEW would be a disrespectful move, but I think he's also very aware of what's the state of New Japan right now. As to what it was before AEW came around, before their relationship like built together, and where it could be going in the future. Um, And again, there still hasn't been any mention of Okada being still able to work New Japan on commentary. And for me, that's a very big sticking point, because I feel like if they wanted to put the fans' hearts at ease about where he was signing, it would have been in the conversation, as it's been in the conversation for Osprey the last two and a half months.
2: See, I'm wondering, I'm, I've just been presuming and you're talking about, you know, the, the booking of uh, of him at Cork Ewan, and things like that. I think they just don't know. I think it's literally, you know, like Okada has hired, you know, this this big sports agent and everything like that. And they're yeah. playing this in exactly the sort of way that a major, major free agent in a traditional sport would. And, yeah. you know, the, the various stakeholders, the various, you know, bidders or whatever it is, they don't know until the actual day of, right? You know, where he is actually going uh, to sign, right? So they can't promise more than they can actually deliver uh, in that regard. So that's sort of why I'm still sort of viewing this as, not necessarily a coin flip per se but just sort of you know w- we're all in a position i think of relatively equal ignorance at this point with regards to that
3: and my my last one is <laughs> what what if, what if okada bought tna <laughs> not that he's going to tna he's like i will get the ultimate force of revenge i will not just go there i will buy it it is mine it is going to be okada rainmaker wrestling <laughs>
2: it would i mean like look like it's 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 i know it's 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 not going to be or whatever it might be but like no of course not But like they don't they don't have the money they couldn't have the money for us they definitely don't have the money for okada it's just you know like there are matches to be made there you know like and, and certainly you know uh to, to that point i will say just as a little you know rejoinder uh you know to to way uh who i think was sort of saying like look you know you know he was sort of saying that you know oh the wwe has more fresh matches or whatever it might be or more interesting matches i agree with that there are more combinations there that have not been tested out i just you know as somebody who doesn't really enjoy the WWE television product, I'm sort of looking at yeah. that as a like, yes, I could start cooking all of my meals with toothpaste. That would be fresh. That would be different. That would be new, but I don't want <laughs> me, those me, things. Me with one another. <laughs> I don't want those things, you know, combining together. Right. Uh, and certainly, you know, if, uh, as I think we'll be talking about at a number of points, in the actual re- review of, of Nagoya, which we are getting to uh for, for cafe patrons momentarily. Um, you know, if one of the big problems here is the the lack of, you know, kind of foundation building that Okada did with those younger guys, the possibility of him uh going to AEW and being able to come over for your sort of one-off matches against a Suji, against an Umino, you know, and almost kind of doing, you know, kind of almost in the position that somebody like John Cena is it right now in the WWE. There's real value to that for both sides, I would say.
3: Oh, I absolutely agree. If Okada does takes a page out of Kyrie's freelance book and was able to sure. you know give back, give back to the company or you know stroll into a New Japan strong on occasionally with, with TNA, yeah, it's it's the same thing. He could still work New Japan because they work together on different things. Like when you know they collaborated for uh, the Multi United series, they've sent talent over there. Kushida and Kevin Knight are over there right now um they have probably of the three arguably the most flexible schedule they have like one pay-per-view every month the next day it's roh format tv taping or two days of tv tapings and then they're they are free to work wherever else they feel like it which could even give them flexibility to work elsewhere um while they are on broadcast tv it's it's probably a far smaller scope of broadcast availability compared to you know AEW and WWE's broadcast presence both uh, on air and internationally uh, the internet budgetary constraints as I said if they can't afford Osprey and I doubt he would want to make less than Nick Nemeth um the show attendance is considerably smaller compared to what you would have at a WWE AEW or a Tokyo Dome you know he's used to working arenas that have like 2000 to 40,000 people i don't know if you would want to go to a, a much smaller venue that might have a thousand on a good day you know what i'm saying and then there was there's also it's the same thing that he might have with aew as well is that there's the expectation expectation that okada would need to keep performing at his new japan level yes with a, a much smaller roster that it either doesn't have the experience of working in japan or may not necessarily want to work that style if mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah, so no, I think
2: it, that's I think that's kind of also the trade-off between AEW and WWE, right? Like, yeah, fine, you know, you're not on the road with AEW. Yeah, you fine. You're you know, you're flying in for television once every week or second week. But when you're there, there's a certain level, you know, you're not just going to be able to do the Tennessee 2 step and, and tag out and and whatever it is and just sort of, you know, work your way uh or just have a
3: vignette yeah, and enjoy nice catering, when, you know, yeah. every now and then. Yeah. And I feel like that's Again, if it's if it's more of him looking towards the future and his physical health, or or be able to have a like a a longer career, like if he's anticipating wrestling well into his forties, I feel like of the three, the WWE option, while it may not be everyone's favorite option, is probably the most easy on the body, as it were. It's probably the least physically demanding. With TNA, probably a close second. <laughs>
2: But again, I think this all to kind of, you know, begin to kind of wind the Okada section down here. I think this sort of points to the fact that, look, trying to sort of point to or predict which way this is going to go depends upon us having a degree of knowledge of his own motivations and of his own priorities, which just, you know, none of us have. Nobody does except for him and yeah. his family, right? And, and it's kind of foolish for us to presume that we do, you know. Uh, again, if you know, to to compare him perhaps to somebody like Danielson, right, who in leaving the WWE wanted the heavier work schedule, wanted the bigger matches and when AEW wasn't even giving him enough okay fine bring me over to Japan let me work the G1 I'm just you know I need to keep doing this and and whatnot. And that's, you know, the path that he's been taking uh, in his twilight years. So as of right now, still no clue uh, as to which way uh, Okada's decision will fall. But like we've been saying, you know, for God, nearly an hour now uh, at this point, just a a massive landmark uh, event within the history of Japanese wrestling, certainly within the history of New Japan and possibly uh, very, very much a real, real landmark event in North American wrestling as well. Okay, Karen, all of that said, we do still have a new beginning show uh, to review here. So you're ready to kind of turn the page uh, and dig Let's into go. Some matches coming from the I.G. Prefectural Gymnasium in Nagoya uh, with an attendance of 2,710, which is a lot better uh, than the 2023 new beginning show in the same arena, which could only muster uh, 1,650 for a card headlined by that very, very weak MMA Rules KOPW match between Shingo and Okan. You remember that one? Not good. Oh,
4: wow. Yeah,
2: yeah, that was the headliner yeah. on this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, more important than the numbers, though, I was very interested in trying to read the crowd's mood at this show. Would they be sedate? Would they be angry? Would they be just not caring about anything except for uh, Okada's presence? I found it a little bit tough to tell with just the way that the arena was mic'd, at least on the English feed, uh, which I was listening to. It was kind of tough to get too much of a read on the crowd. I'm not sure if you were listening uh, to the Japanese commentary, Karen, or if you were kind of able to to glean any larger sense uh, as to where the crowd's collective mood or head or emotions might have been
3: at. Well, I too listened to the English feed because okay. I knew I knew that maybe in the offshot you referenced something. I was like, maybe I should listen to the English feed just in case. Um, I think it's one of those things where I'm not going to say that the crowd was indifferent or upset or any kind. I think they're starting to get back into the we're going to be quiet and cheer when we need to, like be selective about their cheering as opposed to just cheering for no no reason, just because they can finally cheer again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would be curious to know if the show had sold out before the Okada departure announcement came out, or how many last minute tickets got mm. snapped up. What because this this announcement was like nine p.m. East Coast time ish for uh for me here on Thursday night, meaning that was eleven a.m. Friday morning yeah. the day before the show. So if there was any need to move any any tickets at the last minute, knowing that this was Okada's. Last show in his hometown prefecture. I'm sure that they could have easily sold it out if the, mm-hmm. it was if it was a sellout crowd or near to sellout crowd. Um, uh, it's it, it's kind of like going. You know, they're just get, they're just. I, I find the people of Nagoya tend to be less opinionated compared to bigger cities like Tokyo or Osaka. Uh, I actually like Nagoya. I think it's a great city. It's it's it's, it's small, walkable, enjoyable, but it, it has great greatly great food. Um but that that's more for WH night to talk about at some point. Uh but it, it's it's just that I think they were just pleasantly surprised. I think and I don't want to say that they were resigned to any of the matches that they were given at any point in time. I think that while it may not have been the most riveting card and there were a couple of like silly bits here and there that we will get oh, into. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Um, I feel like the the, the thing about the Nagoya show on the New Beginning tour always feels like it sets up the wheels in motion for the bigger shows that are later on in the tour. While there's a lot of house shows in between, it's more setting everything up for Osaka mm-hmm. and Sapporo at the end in February.
2: Yeah, just, this was very much a show lying, that I basically. think – yeah, this was a show that very much pointed towards those. But also, I, you know, I think you couldn't sort of help but view through the lens of sort of, you know, anticipating or beginning to imagine what a post-Okada New Japan would mean for all of the various people on this card. So we start off on the kickoff with a Young Lions match between Katsuya Murashima and Shomakato. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw each of these guys in very quick singles matches uh, against Loibe and Nakashima on World Tag League under cards. But uh, I have to admit, I, I don't really remember too much. Uh, this is the first singles match between the two of them. Uh, it's very grapple-heavy work uh, for most of it, with some very, I thought, smooth footwork uh, and transitions from Morishima, who I believe they were announcing has uh, an amateur background. Uh, he's working some wrist locks and armbars on Kato. Uh, Kato eventually work, uh, breaks free and works the leg. Uh, this turns into a slugfest in the last couple of minutes. Morishima is able to get the single crab applied twice, but Kato does not tap out, and this goes to the minute minute draw um I thought that you know uh, kind of a not a first glance but you know maybe first focused glance here I thought that Murashima's kind of like uh stockiness and sort of like real amateur wrestlers build uh will suit him well and if I'm being honest he looked a lot ahead uh of Shoma in terms of development and kind of ring readiness here
3: it's one of those things where you know we always talk about what could make the junior division more exciting and because we've had a lot of guys that started out as juniors, like Uemura and Narita, go off to excursion, come back as heavyweights. Uh, we've had like bigger stockier guys like Noiva and you know Nakashima who are large. I-, I think we've got some short king young lions coming up now with these guys no. that once they come back from excursion, they are going to breed. Because I remember there was com- they were making they were made some notes on commentary that these guys are very short like you know height stature wise they're shorter than most of the other guys that are either in the dojo or on the roster so if we're working on our short king young lions let's go i'm excited for them but yeah you could you you could see that there was a bit of disparity but again this is their first singles match against one another and i I feel like they're going to start having the the traditional here's 85 singles matches against one another before we send you off on excursion
2: (laughs) which i always look forward to you know i love trying to sort of you know uh get a sense for what does and does not work or what the strengths of each guy are when they are working with just this such a limited tool set and everything. It's one of I find, you know, kind of one of the the fun things uh, of being a real New Japan nerd. Uh, After the pre-show, the opening montage that we get does make a brief mention of the Okada news in the segment dealing with his match, which notably came after uh, the segment dealing with the actual main event of this card. So you got the sense this had to be thrown together on very short notice and just added in. Uh, The first match of the full card is a tag team match between Shota Umino and Tomaki Hanma taking on the House of Tortures, Ren Narita and Yudro Takahashi. Uh, okay, to our point about the way that this card is being used to set up the larger cards a little down the road, uh, we are getting another uh, Umino and Narita singles match in just a few days, not even on technically the new beginning, but on one of the road to shows happening at Korakuen on the 24th. Uh, that is also the card which will now feature the never six man match between uh TMDK and Okada's team with Tanahashi and Ishii. So, all manner of things kind of being shuffled around, not just with the actual. Uh, Osaka and Sapporo shows themselves but also with some of the Road 2 shows and those Korakyun shows as well Um, Narita is wearing that black cloak that I think he had at Wrestle Kingdom and is walking around the weight bar that he used as a weapon in the Wrestle Kingdom match um Narita and Shoto are brawling around outside the ring to begin. And as Charlton is talking about how the news should of de- Okada's departure should fire the young guys up. Uh, I'm wondering how fired up Narita should be in the House of Torture, where the entire gimmick is that you don't give a shit. You do not care. You are not engaged. You are not passionate. Anyway, Yum. just five minutes. Ugh, so enough said there before a hot tag brings Shoda in. Uh he looks okay against Yudro before Narita is in and goads him around with some slaps to the face. Shoda hits a nice tornado to bring Hanma in for the Kokeshi, which misses. Narita gets a bridging fisherman for two, and a ref distraction lets Yudro clock Hanma with his cane. And Narita's new sit-out face buster, the double cross, gets the pin just shy of ten minutes. Uh look, this was a opening match. House of Torture tag, so we are not getting much of anything in terms of in ring here. The match on the 24th, I would say, Karen, is going to depend on Umino feeling and reading as being really authentically fired up, mad at Narita, and coming across as his own self, which we got a little bit of, I thought, at Wrestle Kingdom. And look, and I say this as a you know show to Umino doubter. I think getting giving him a clear win and moving him up the card immediately, because You know, we're at a position now that you do not have the luxury of two of your four young prospects just screwing around in an undercard house of torture feud for the next nine months. You might have had that penciled in for 2024. Guess what? That whole book up. You need to come up with something new for these guys to do if that's all you had them slotted in for.
3: One of the things that I am wondering is, you know, with, you know, Narita leaving Hantai slash song style and going aligning himself with House of Torture, and Tanahashi taking a step back into the office. I'm wondering if they're poising Shota to become, you know, with the departure of Tamatanga, the. De facto front man for Hauntai. Yeah. Because you have you have your new Japan dads. Umino it seems to be the guy. He needs to keep whatever chip on his shoulder that he is starting to develop by getting the fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. He needs to be a fired up but not stupid, plucky baby face moving forward. He needs to be able to be like, you know what? I don't care. If you want to play dirty, I'm down. I need I need him to take a page out of Moxley's dad death jitsu book. If he's gonna walk around in Moxley's jacket that much, he needs to start being more self-aware and and be a little more aggressive and not be not I don't want to call him a doormat, but there are times where I'm just like, you know better than this. What are you doing? And oh, I also and, need and all of
2: all of the baby kissing that happens before the match just plays into that.
3: It, he 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 needs to find the right balance because sometimes it takes it, it's a bit much or it takes a little too long especially when you're in the one of the opening matches of the card <laughs> um and also i think ren narita's new robe kind of feels like a cast off of pre li or uh, lij era evil yes,
2: I, yes I, don't, I, I don't the same thing
3: i i don't want after saying he just shed everything off that was shibata i don't need him being remade in evil's image
2: we need the uh, the spirit <laughs> Halloween scythe coming back. You remember that plastic? No, that
3: yeah. Yeah. No. <sighs> oh, I, I, I I need sold out Narita or whatever Ren Narita or whatever he's going with. I need him to figure out what his character is, but I don't need it to be Shibata with like a evil, like Overwatch two skin paste on top of him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I need I need Narita to figure out who he is as himself. Or you know And that's pick- Pick a a different name. I don't know. He needs to figure out what he's doing.
2: And and that's, I think that's exactly the task that is facing both of these two guys, uh, which the other two of the four maybe don't have quite as much of a problem with. uh, And we'll get to them later on. But yeah, they need to both figure that out and then hopefully get away from H.O.T. Because it's just, it's it's a vortex and a trap that again, we do not have the luxury of, of having uh young developmental talent farting around in uh, for any time at this point. Up next, we've got a 10 man tag between the United empires team of Callum Newman, Francesco Akira, Hanare, Jeff Cobb, and TJP taking on the bullet club war dogs comprised tonight of Alex Cogland, Clark Connors, David Finley, Drilla Maloney, and Gabe kid. Um, in addition to that, cage match coming up in in a little while which i'm getting really really excited about karen i have to say uh we also have uh connor's and maloney getting a rematch against the new junior tag champions uh for those titles on february 4th along with singles matching singles matches pairing kid and hanare cobb and Coglin, and finley and newman all on the way to that big cage match in Osaka. And I got to say, I've really, really, really been enjoying this whole, you know, faction-wide feud, which has sort of uh, guided and shaped Osprey's own departure from the company. Obviously, Osprey not on this bill. I I don't know exactly where he was in terms of, uh, I guess, the Impact taping had already been finished, or who knows where he might happen to be. Uh, But again, if we're talking about, you know, people who you're trying to, like, squeeze every last match, every last, you know, make good out of, we're going to be looking back I think at Osprey's 2023 versus Okada's 2023 for a long time but anyway enough about that um War Dogs circle the ring before the bell and everybody brawls to the outside uh Cobb and Connors and Hanare and Kid each get some sequences with one another uh the War Dogs get the heat on Callum Newman and I find that you know if we were talking about the height of the the current Young lines, I find that I'm s- Just forgetting right now that Newman's got some decent height on him, and I think that will serve him well if and when he starts filling out, because, you know, he's still impossibly young, what, 21, 22, something stupid like that. Uh, TJP is in and blows Red Mist into the air while doing the uh, Shinjiro Otani tribute to Connors. So I guess the, the, the spirit of the Oswang is not just for uh, Missed to the Face. It's also for just kind of uh, general mood and atmosphere. Uh, you get quick trading of signature
0: spots from pretty much everybody in this match, ultimately leading to Finley and Newman. With- this post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast...
2: The Rebel putting down a pretty game Newman uh, with a powerbomb at about 12 minutes. I like the fact that it was just a powerbomb and not, you know, the Into Oblivion or some other signature move. It's just a powerbomb that that beats Callum Newman. Great. Good. You know, those sorts of moves can win matches. Uh, I thought this was pretty decent and fast moving. Like I said, uh, I'm legitimately interested not just in the cage match, but also those singles previews matches on the fourth. Um, You know, and again, as much as we've been sort of hinting at, the focus you know, needs to be and should be on the four young Japanese talents. Plus, you know, your, your other ones that you have kind of, you know, on the, on the side, like Oiwa or whoever else, or Fujita. This was also a reminder, I think that the, of the vacuum that Osprey is leaving and that there's a real chance for some of the Kokujin talent to move up the card too, Karen.
3: It's one of those things where, you know, we taught me the AJ Styles and Nakamura comparison earlier with Okada. Okada and Osprey leaving. That is kind of feels like, you know, Styles Nakamura 2.0 in mm. terms of departure and the power vacuum that's going to be left once they leave. Um while it is not a a losing group disband's result for the the cage match on the on the 11th, I am curious to see how the fallout from that match is going to impact the Bullet Club War Dogs yes. the United Empire. Uh I mean, what's going to happen to Chaos? Who's going to, is is Ishii going to be the new de facto frontman of chaos? Can we, can we just take
2: is, chaos out the back and put a bullet in its head? It hasn't meant anything for a very it's, long time. It's,
3: it's, a, it's a sentimental favorite for me. I'm just, but it's just one of those, like, what is going to, are we going to, is United Empire going to continue without Will Ospreay? Or will somebody mm-hmm. like like Jeff Cobb or Great O'Conn, will they be the ones stepping to the front? Will, with um Callum Newman there, will TJP be... Breaking off from Francesco Akira to proceed, go after the singles title. Like, what I want, I want, not that I want to know right now what's going to be happening, but I am curious to see how it's all going to impact. And again, we still have Bullet Club War Dogs, Bullet Club, and House of Torture. When when are they going to fight it out to see w- what's actually going on? And I feel like the buildup between these two groups is far more interesting versus the f- buildup between L.I.J and just five guys but it's the same concept you have two Mm -hmm, you have mm -hmm. two sets of of group of, of people groups fighting but what are the stakes why am i far more invested in this all foreigners brawl to the death as it were versus a whole bunch of you know stalwart long time fan favorites in the company that are set to have a series of matches
2: you see, if I wanted to be spicy, I'd say, like all things, I blame Sonata for that, but never mind. But anyway, no. But Thank I, you! Would, anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but no, no, you're, you're exactly right. Like, it has, this has a certain je ne sais quoi. This has a real sort of sense of, of heat to it. And those sorts of questions and those sorts of opportunities are very much going to keep me engaged, uh, pushing forward with this particular feud, even after the cage match itself ends. Up next, tag team match between El Desperado and Master taking on hey more house of torture content here uh, with show and yoshinobu kanemaru this is setting up kanemaru's challenge of despe at the korakuen road 2 show on the 23rd for the junior heavyweight title and look as much as i'm happy to have the junior title back on desperado um i just i don't really care about anybody else in this match other than desperado uh look Kanemaro might have been able to have a fun, grimy, heel performance against his former tag team uh, partner in that title match. Were he still a member of just five guys, we could actually have it be about Kanemaro using his like, ah, you know, I still got a couple uh... of tricks up my sleeve, you youngster. You know, that match My could, heart. I think, have had something to it, but, you know, of course, it's going to be a House of Torture match, and we all know what that's going to be, so that just yeah. throws water on any sort of interest uh, that yeah. I can possibly have uh, in that match. Um, In this match itself, Watto is lighting show up well enough uh, to start uh, with some smoother-than-usual Ranas and the like, you know, look, again, not a Watto fan. Uh, I, I criticize him a lot for some, you know, for some sloppy suplexes and things like that. He looked pretty crisp here. So I have to at least admit that uh, Kanemaru takes Despe out to the outside to allow a double team. Watto brings Despe in for the hot tag at about five minutes in Kanemaru is targeting the eye, uh, which of course Despe recently had surgery on before wrestle kingdom. The younger guys are back in Watto gets a resimente for two, but this is house of Georgia match. So of course we get a rough bump, a whiskey mist and a wrench attack from Kanemaru and show respectively with The latter putting Watto away with a shock arrow at about eight and a half minutes. Um, This was actually a bit better, I thought, than a lot of H.O.T. stuff and was a lot better than some more of the H.O.T. stuff, which we still have to come on this card, Karen. But obviously, there's always going to be a ceiling on a House of Torture match, let alone uh, a preview multi-man. More than anything, to kind of bring it back to the main thread of this whole review, this felt like a cautionary tale or or an example of a cautionary tale. We have said, Karen, you and I, multiple times since it happened that the risk of putting Ren Narita into a bunch of House of Torture grab-ass is that you're going to end up with show 2.0. Obviously, Narita is still a much younger talent than show, but we've seen what damage spending just what one year with these goofballs can do to somebody's reputation right this is a all hands on deck shape everything up and see who rises time and you know you're voluntarily years ago you voluntarily took one of your pieces completely off the board uh with show to the point that you know i know you don't like hearing it karen but he's just he's irredeemably tainted by all of this there's just I not enough time <laughs> there's just not enough time to rehab him. the you know the really long long long-term booking of new Japan can be one of its greatest strengths, but ignoring the damage that short-term booking by throwing somebody like show or into, you know, house of torture does to the perception of your talents that can absolutely bite you in the ass. And I think we have that here with now show as a piece out out of the board, who's not going to be in play in this whole power vacuum that we've been talking about.
3: I I honestly feel like as much as I bemoan the show and yo circling the drain, Yo is like their inevitable one day reunion well down the road. That's going to be the only way that you get the, get, you, you find some way to rehab show is turn him face and then have yo turn heel as it should have been years ago. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things where, you know, don't, don't forget the the Desperado uh, Kanemaru um, main event on the 23rd, the semi-main of that show is Watto versus show. Mm. Um, and it seemed like in the match, Watto may have tweaked his knee or an ankle. Like he was kind of like gingerly walking around a little bit. So I'm hoping mm. it really, it's just, it was just an in-match thing and not something that we have to be concerned of. Um, but, you know, once we clear new beginning, we go into new Japan cup season. And then shortly thereafter is best of the super juniors. So usually they haven't announced super juniors yet, but typically may that's super junior month. So it's one of those things where we, I, I, I'm curious, but also cautiously optimistic about where Desperado's run with the belt is going to go, but it also makes me hesitant because I'm either wondering that, are they going to finally put the belt on Kanemaru, despite him being in House of Torture, or... Can we just get, can somebody just put Robbie Eagles on an airplane, please? (laughs) Let me have that rematch with him Mm -hmm. in Desperado, please. Mm -hmm. And thank you. Stop leaving that boy in Australia all by himself.
2: (laughs) Especially when, you know, TMDK, I think, you know, we were talking a lot about, you know, United Empire and how hot they feel. But I mean, there's a lot happening. uh, And maybe not even beneath the surface with TMDK very, very soon. So yeah, you definitely want him in the mix as well. Uh, Okay, here we go. An eight-man tag team match between the chaos, nominally chaos-affiliated team uh, of Hiroshi Tanahashi, Togi Makabe, Tomohiro Ishii, and Kazuchiko Okada taking on the TMDK team of Kosei Fujita, Mikey Nichols, Shane Haste, and Zack Sabre Jr. So, okay, fine. Obviously, a preview for the Never Six-Man match. Uh, Again, now happening in just a couple of days on the 24th. But obviously, this is so, so much more uh, now with the news that's come. Uh, I was very, very interested in how this crowd, as we sort of said, would react to Okada. I, again, feel please, you know, correct me or, or throw your own reads on this. It sounded like there was a whole lot of noise for Okada when he came out, but it was tough to tell whether it was entirely positive, like no one was booing him. And he was definitely being cheered, but there was almost more this sort of sense that people were just kind of like calling his name out almost with a sense of like grief or lament and just trying to like yell at him, not even to say like why or how dare you or anything like that, but just to sort of like almost preemptively grieve his departure. I don't know if I'm being a little bit too, uh, too metaphysical or reading too much into
3: that. I I think to an extent because uh, uh, Aichi prefecture is his home prefecture And, you know, he had his own like Rainmaker and Anjo show a couple of weeks ago or late last year, I think. They're getting it out of their system because they they realize that, you know, they had less than 48 hours to come to turn or twenty less than 24 hours to come to terms with the fact that their hometown boy is finally not just leaving the nest. He's leaving the country. And that is very big for them. And it's like, you know, it's. They're they're, com- they're having to come to terms with, you know, go through the five stages of grief in a very, 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 very short amount of time. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. So,
3: it, you know, if, if there was like the sad, like, Okada, it's probably that's authentic, yeah. very valid feelings for them. Mm
2: hmm hmm definitely definitely uh we get a big cheer for tanahashi after ishi brings him in to face Haste, uh but tanahashi is quickly isolated and they get the heat on him uh there's a big roar for okada as he comes in for the hot tag five minutes in and he delivers double ddt's to haste and nickels but fujita breaks up his flow from the outside and tags in to whip okada around and hits a springboard drop kick and okada has to bring makabe in uh fujita uses a spinning wheel kick to bring zach in who's quickly countering makabe's lariat attempts uh everybody is is all in here. Uh, Tanahashi and Ishii are suddenly on the same page after having been the odd couple, of, you know, snarling at each other throughout this trio's run. But they're working completely simpatico here, hitting simultaneous dragon screws. We get a classic drop. Draw- kick from Okada to Fujita. Makabe knocks Zack down with lariats but misses the King Kong knee drop and a modified figure four has Makabe tapping out just short of the 11 minute mark. Uh there was lots of jawing between everyone at the end uh and after both teams make their way up the ring uh begin making their way up the ramp. Okada returns to the ring and takes a little bit of a curtain call here. Uh he bows to the crowd as his music plays and as he's heading out he's biting his lip and beginning to tear up in what looked completely uh a legitimate show of emotion, uh, to, to me there, Karen. Um, as as far as the match goes. Uh, trying to leave the context of this match aside. I thought this was relatively solid stuff. Uh, With Fujita getting as much shine as you can in a 10-minute match featuring eight different guys, he looks like, if we're talking about, you know, younger guys' development, I feel like he's sort of coming into his own in terms of his character and in terms of his face, which is kind of a weird thing to say. The work has always been there, and it's been pretty solid for a couple of years now. But he just doesn't sort of have that, like... That almost like slightly goofy look that like a sophomore deer in, the, the, has the deer in headlights.
3: Look yeah, he
2: and like the <laughs> the older kids, the older kids like him, and so like yeah, come on, come on. But like he just kind of has this uh oh, gee shucks, I I don't know. You know they've just taken a liking to this young kid for whatever reason. He doesn't have exactly that deer in the headlights look. Um, you know he just he has a little. He had a little bit more of the swagger and the confidence. He certainly had that uh in the sequence with Okada here.
3: I think for Fujita, it helps that he, he's in a stable with, you know, Zach, who speaks a fair bit of Japanese after being in Japan for so long. And, you know, guys like Mikey and Shane, who have a long history, both working in Japan and with Japanese talent. And, you know, going to Australia for a little bit with Robbie Eagles, they've really taken a liking to him. But it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like the upperclassmen, like Shanghai and freshman and being like, you're ours now. And not like in the, you're our pet, you're our slave, you do whatever we want, like, like, we're going to take care of you. You you are our project. And it, it, he has confidence and it's starting to show. And it's mm. it, it, again, with Okada leaving, talking about that fast track, they they, they, they have to start thinking about this for everybody. And yeah. I think, you know, when while Loiba and Nakashima are out on excursion, I don't know what the plans for them are in the UK. But if they need to kind of think about doing what they did with Okan, which was put a championship on them not draw it out like they did with Kevin Knight or, you know, all the LA Dojo guys where they had to wait until they were back in New Japan post-excursion for it to happen. They need to start pulling triggers on people now. And I think possibly next week could be, I I mean, my hope, not that I'm going to like wave my TMDK fangirl flag here when, hello, my favorites are in the ring with Okada and tanahashi but I think it's time. I think it's it, if you want to start talking about Passing the torch. Okada doesn't need to eat the pin next week. It's probably going to be Ishii anyway. But it, it's one of those things where you need to. I mean, if, if Fujita if Fujita pins Okada, I will eat my hat. I don't know. I, I by the time I I will, I will be screaming. But you know, you can it's call so- that.
2: You can call that, like, I mean, I kind of had a note here about that, too, about wondering if they <laughs> might have the guts to do that. And, like, yeah, you can call that a rocket, you know, a rocket. Why you can call not? Or you can call that, like, cutting Okada's knees out from underneath him or whatever it is. But, like, look at the situation that they're in, right? They have had no, whether you want to blame Okada or whether you want to blame Gator or whatever it happens to be, no work has been done to give these guys credible showings against Okada over the last year, cash in as much of that as you can. And even if it looks inelegant, I absolutely would have Fujita pinning Okada. Why the hell not? Um, To your comment about Loiba and Nakashima, did you see that tweet about them like taking bookings in, uh, in the UK, which is like, Oh, is that, is that how excursion works now? You just go somewhere else and freelance for yourself. I, I I don't know.
3: Uamura kind of had to do that for a while he was in once the la dojo stopped being the la dojo and like transitioned to the the new japan academy and like all the like and the same thing not so much with the narita but like with with him having to go over to tna and he like i saw him at an indie show in jersey uh one random time i went up there so it's one of those things where i mean it's good exposure it's a good opportunity and there are there is excuse me there is i don't want to see there's there's a scene outside of RevPro because RevPro runs a lot of shows but if they're able to me spread their wings and like get a better handle of the scene maybe head over to ireland or go up to scotland like mm. that's you know the more you know the more seasoning they get the more exposure they get that that only serves to benefit them in the future
2: oh yeah no i'm i'm not mad at it it just seems like a very strange break from how uh you know from I, how i,
3: I wonder if they're operated. not they're, they're they're giving them more freedom to try the western style of doing things as opposed to being like no you when you go if you go to cmll you are just in cmll but mm-hmm. again, my thing is that, you know, what they did with Umino during his excursion, they kept bringing him over for New Japan Strong. What If, if, this is the, if, if you want to talk about giving them exposure, book them on New Japan Strong. That was my biggest complaint about Uemura. He was in the United States and they were not, they were flying Umino in from the UK, but they weren't sending him from California to work these shows. And he lives here, lived here. It sorry. Was,
2: it, it was weird the way that both of those guys' excursions were treated. I, I It it seemed to not really do um, Uemura much damage in the long term. but like there was that period there where like Umino just, he wasn't even ring ready. It was just, it's, anyway, anyway, that's, that's, that's rehashing an older point. Uh, just back to the actual match itself. I did kind of want to uh, comment on something. You know, if we're talking sort of about what, you know, Okada's departure means to the company um, throughout this match, you had Chris Charlton uh, and Stuart talking about opportunity, you know, both for people within New Japan and those who are looking to become best in the world. And the point which Charlton has been making, you know, not just on commentary, but on Twitter and elsewhere, you know, is that no matter where you are right now in whatever company you're in, if you are in the conversation for being the best in the world, you've worked in New Japan, right? And that time in New Japan is necessary in order to become one of the best in the world. And I agree with that entirely. But I don't know that that sentiment is necessarily going to assuage the fears of those who are worried about New Japan becoming something of a feeder system, right? Um, They also acknowledged on the commentary that, you know, hey, as far as Okada's own career goes, right, there was just very little for him left to accomplish. But again, that belies the fact that this last year of him kind of spinning his wheels was not used uh, to elevate the next generation. So who knows? Maybe we will get a a too little too late uh, band aid, but something uh, of a bit of a shine for Kosei Fujita in the days ahead. Uh, Up next a tag team match between the LIJ team, of Bushi, Hiromu, Shingo, Tetsuya Naito, and Yodosuji, taking on all five of your just five guys, Doki, Sonata, Taichi, Takamichi Noka, and Yuya Uemura. Uh, man, Karen, if we had Okada upstaging uh, Sonata, you know, with the preceding match in Wrestle Kingdom, boy, howdy, do we have the same thing happening here? Because,
4: uh, yeah, especially coming
2: after this match with Okada and all these question marks and him getting teary in the ring, Going from that to this match, I just cannot bring myself to care about Sonata getting a rematch with Naito right now. I, I I just can't do it, Karen. And you can tell who's also got if we're talking about, you know, the 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 United Empire and Bullet Clubs you know kind of faction warfare you can tell who's very much the priority in this factional conflict because all five of your just five guys including sonata come out as a group to their one theme whereas we get individual entrances for each member of lij and yes including bushi uh, they all get their individual ones i know that so that goes long. to the idea <laughs> that you know lij is like they're all more kind of lone wolves or whatever it might be but like it just makes you know It just makes the five guys look like, you know, kind of a a, a weak group of, you know, jags and everything. And yeah, anyway, um, it's Naito and Sonata to start with the crowd firmly behind the champ, uh, but no real offense happens between either of them. Doki and Hiromu pair off, then Taichi and Shingo. This is obviously all in anticipation uh, of the other singles matches at Sapporo, which will be happening on the undercard before Sonata's title shot. Uh, Uamura and next world champ, Yoda Tsuji, I'm calling it right now, winning New Japan Cup and, and, and taking it from, from Naito at Dominion. Uh, anyway, uh, their sequence was pretty good, but there wasn't much of a reaction to it, I will say. Uh, Bushi and Taka muck around for a minute before Sonata's in. Bushi cannot get the tag to bring Naito in, and he very quickly succumbs to the skull end at the nine-minute mark. A uh, little bit of brawling between Suji and Uramura on the outside uh, as Naito very laconically drags the title belt across the apron in front of Sonata. I mean, say what you will about this program, but Naito's finding ways of, you know, kind of using it to sell his own character. Uh, there was nothing really of note in terms of in ring for this one uh, for me, Karen. Uh, the the Suji and Uramura stuff is the only thing I can really latch on to here. Um, I think this situation really puts into relief what damage the Sonata title reign did. Was it a bad idea to finally pull the trigger on him and see what happens? In and of itself, no. I cannot fault that decision. But with the benefit of hindsight, it's a complete disaster when you put it up again against you know the the last year of kind of not putting uh, Okada to much use. We talked for months about the main event of Wrestle Kingdom feeling ice cold, and look, short term loss of you know that main event feeling cold aside think of the long-term loss of not bringing somebody else other than sonata up into that mix when you are faced with this particular vacuum like i i know i'm a broken record here but i just keep replaying that suji and sonata match at Dominion in my head and imagining what's happening in the alternate universe where they called the Audible, where they just gave it to Suji, where we get the gene blast shock, you know, and Suji wins the title and goes on and faces and ultimately loses to Naito at the dome. We're in a very, very different state as far as what Okada's departure to the means to the company.
3: I think I think we've, you know, we we've kind of beaten the Sonata like title reign into the ground. But the big again, the biggest thing was had he had a more—I don't want to say—you know big better? name, a better,
2: a better title reign.
3: A a a a, a list of more high-profile contenders for mm-hmm. his defenses. Like he had defenses, but they like they weren't—at least for me—against people of exceptional note for the most part. Like you weren't having him beat Tetsuya Naito for the title. You weren't, ha- or did you? No, wait, we did. Yes. But was it wasn't? It, but it, you weren't having him beat Osprey for the title. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know. I get you. it's.
3: Just, it's just like I feel like there should have been more. But yeah, oh no. But my hot take about New Japan Cup, it's Hiromu's year. Naito wanted that singles match uh. against Hiromu. Hiromu's not champion. <laughs> Talking about Hiromu going heavyweight, have him and like we know the year that Hiromu was in the cup the first time, he got pretty far.
2: We do need, to, you know, I mean, getting Hiromu into a recasting him in something of a different role is another thing. Uh, if we're talking kind of about the the power vacuum or the 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 star power vacuum or whatever we want to call it there, that's somebody else that you need to kind of leverage and get the most out of. Uh, and to your point about beating a dead horse with the Sonata thing, look, they're the ones beating the dead horse by having us relive I know. that match. I know. So as long as they're booking it, I'm going to keep teeing off on it. But anyway, well, is what it is. and
3: but yes, but Taichi should be the one going for the title because he's from Sapporo. Sure. That's my, yes. that, that, that's my big salty part is that you had your shot back of the line.
2: I'd be, Let I'd her, be much, her, much her more her interested, fight. much more Taichi interested can, in that. I mean, couple.
3: I want Taichi to win the title at some point, but you know what? He can lose. He'll be fine. Taichi's always, he's, he's, he's like a cockroach. He's fine. He'll survive. Yeah. It's no yeah, big yeah, deal, yeah. but yeah.
2: We get a very silly promo video set to the William Tell overture. I'm not making this up folks. Setting up the rules of our new Japan pro wrestling, king of pro wrestling title, 10 minute Ishimori ring fit match in which the interim or what do they call it? The transition, not the transitional champ, the interim KOPW champion, the provisional, provisional? thank you. The provisional KOPW champion of Taiji Ishimori takes on the great Okan. Okay. (laughs) Oh boy. Gird yourself, everybody. So the stipulation from New Japan's website itself, and I'm quoting this precisely for reasons which will become apparent, is that 10 minutes will be on the clock with the last title holder at the end of the time limit, the victor. Additionally, at three-minute intervals, the two must stop for 30 seconds of high-intensity circuit training. So to break that down, this is a scramble match but with basically like, you know, chess boxing style cardio, uh, intervals. And if you're not a Wu-Tang diehard, like Sino or Muggin, look up chess boxing. It's an awesome, amazing, and cool sport and concept. Um, for his part, Okan's nominated stipulation was a bull rope match, but that only received 22.6 of the fan vote, which determines these KOPW steps. Um... Okay, so hopefully folks have that straight. And if you don't, don't worry, because it's going to be kind of ripped up by the end of this. But anyway, Okan has a new extended entrance with a new video and kind of musical fanfare before his established music starts, uh, along with some new ring gear, which I thought really accented the uh, the United Empire Green, and a sword for reasons. Sure, why not? Um, Ishimori is just Ishimori himself coming out uh, with the KOPW belt. So the way this looks is that we get a clock display on the field or on the on the feed, rather, excuse me. Counting up to ten minutes, we're working a pretty slow pace for the first of these three minute periods. okan is stomping and working claw holds, uh, and then Ishimori runs out the clock on the outside uh, for the last minute or so, the way he did at Wrestle Kingdom, and then we have to wait for both guys to come back to the ring, and it takes okan a while to agree to do this in order to do some jumps high knees and burpees and it's the idea here is that they have i think each 10 reps of each of these to complete within 30 seconds ishimori finishes his circuit of these with about 10 seconds left on the clock and i'm now wondering okay what happens if somebody doesn't complete their circuit within 30 seconds does that constitute a, a pinfall or whatever it might be anyway uh okan kind of uses the entire 30 seconds and is pretty winded to begin the second period and now cannot follow up on any of his strikes or a big delayed vertical suplex. Uh, We get more rest holds from Okan going to the end of the second period. And I should note here that, look, Rest hold is not a term I really use when I'm talking about pro wrestling because I think it insults pro wrestlers. And I think it is an insulting idea for somebody who is not involved in the field to accuse somebody who is working within that field of of somehow being lazy. But that is the story of this match in the second period. Okan is blown up from having done the cardio and is just trying to kind of hold control over and smother the smaller guy. So in the second of these intervals, we get push-ups, crunches, and squats. And look, you and I, I think, in texting each other, Karen, while this was going on, had the same thought. Like, remember in gym class when, like, the teacher would tell you that's not a real sit-up? Four, four, four. That doesn't (laughs) count four, four. I want to see some sweat there, Peterson. That's what we are getting here. That's the sort of sass that we are getting from both the ref and from Charlton on commentary. So Ocon is a sweating mess. Going into the third period, uh, Ishimori hits him with the divorce court as look, I mean, I just have to say it, the general like shittiness and aimlessness of the great Okan over the last six or nine months is the through line of this match. He can't even lariat Ishimori. This guy's is doughy and out of shape. Laugh at him. Everyone Ishimori has the bone lock applied, but uh, Okan endures through the end of the third period. Now we get some jumps, jumping lunges, and mountain climbs for the last interval. And again, Okan is the weak, unathletic kid in gym class. Ishimori is then pointing out, look, Okan didn't finish his set in the 30 seconds. So he's just given another 30 seconds to complete the set. He can't get through that 30 seconds. So we just abandoned the 30 second gimmick as Okan makes his way through these mountain lunges in about, I don't know, a minute and a half or something. Okay, Ishimori grabs the KOPW belt as the fourth period begins, but Okan counters it with a straight punch. Ishimori is trying to get the bone lock applied, but can't. Okan manages a chokeslam, but cannot cover Ishimori as we are hitting the 10-minute time limit here, so instead grabs at the KOPW title belt, which is still in the ring, and as the 10 minutes of bell time expires we all assume, oh, this was a draw because there were no pinfalls, no submissions. Uh, and thus, you know, title reverts back to Ishimori here, but no, it is announced over the PA that this is a win for Okan because as per the letter of the stipulations, he's the last title holder at the end of the 10 minutes, <laughs> i.e. <laughs> he was holding the belt at the end of the 10 minutes. Karen this was idiotic (laughs) this was a DDT type match and on the finish of a level of the like do you remember the awful resolution to the May-young pregnancy gimmick, you know, the let's yeah. give May a hand, let's give yeah. May a hand in terms of somebody booking themselves into a corner and then deciding to use wordplay, wordplay to try to get yeah. themselves out of it. This was a shaggy dog story, those long rambling jokes that you know your dad or Norm McDonald tells which go nowhere and then have a cheesy punchline. You know, look up Norm McDonald's moth joke if you haven't seen that. It's hilarious. It's wonderful, but I don't need to see it in a wrestling match. What a night for New Japan Pro Wrestling, Walker Stewart says. And yeah, what a night. Okada is leaving and you have this garbage third from the top of this card. I like it when New Japan uses a losing streak or a sense of purposelessness as a storytelling point, as a launching pad for someone to reinvent themselves. But again... Not to sound like a broken record here, but this sort of comedy booking of someone who admittedly has been something of a disappointment over the last year just exposes how much has done to prop up the mid-card and undercard of late. And again, on a night when we're all thinking about the departure of Kazuchika Okada, watching, you know, the third from the top match and in this idiotic sort of a way just had me shaking my head, Karen. Uh, I don't know if you have thoughts different from mine.
3: It's one of those things where... I've always had issue with the King of Pro Wrestling Championship because it goes, it goes in waves of people, you know, having fun runs with it, having wild matches with it. Some of them are good, some of them are really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And you know, for me, this like as somebody who follows Ishimori on Instagram and I watch his CrossFit, like he puts all these CrossFit videos on there that he does when he's like, like not around the ring or when he was out injured and he's rehabbing. So he's in ridiculously good shape. So when the stipulate when the stipulations were announced, there was a very clear cut, like, they knew what the the end result was going to be before they even, like, gave Ocon the option to put it to a fan vote. Um, It it was... I don't want to say it was a palate cleanser because it didn't feel like a palate cleanser, but I found the whole thing so ridiculous. Like... That I just laughed at it the entire time. I'm like, I'm like, I, w- I, I remember when you know Yano did the drinking match one with Kanemaru, and they just got blitzed, and then tried to yeah. wrestle. That's what this gave me. I'm like, this is stupid. Why are we doing it? But why am I laughing? I feel bad. I feel I, I had all a lot of feelings, but it, it just felt like it was um, just something to get the title on the on the, on the card. But now it's like, what is Okan going to do? With this belt, I feel like they gave it to Ishimori to get him on the card, but like, what? what's yeah, what's the I don't know where I don't know what the direction is. I found the the though the possession is nine times nine tenths of the law argument for Ocon winning. I thought it was kind of smart, but at the same time, kind of stupid. At the same time, like, why I'm like, why did I spend 15 minutes of my day watching this? Because I yeah. watched it yeah. at regular speed, I didn't put it at two times because i wanted to understand what was going on because there was so much it was it was needlessly overbooked it was really yep. really confusing the fact that they had different workout circuits for each of like the the three minute breaks w- w- or was just like I'm like you're doing too much stop <laughs> please stop
2: yeah, no, it's, I mean, like, I am I I know I probably sound like a total buzzkill or something like that here and just like, ah, I want nothing but, you know, the purest and s- most stoic of strong style new wrestling or not wrestling on my new Japan show or whatever it is, you know, fine, like comedy has a place or whatever. I just don't know that if we need a title like this with presumably Yano and Okan, you know, just, you know, farting it back and forth for the next year in a semi, look, it's not fine. I guess it's the third, from the top match, you know on, on a Nagoya, you know new beginning show, but but still, again, I know I I know I keep harping on this, and I apologize for sounding no, here, people, don't apologize. But it's It'd just like you know, like again, when we're thinking about what the future of this company is, and we're all asking ourselves those questions over the last couple of days, and you've got this out there, you know, just being goofy on main. It's just oh God. Anyway, it's
3: it, it's one of those things where in a company where we always say there's too many titles. This belt was introduced by Kazuchika Okada and he's never held it. Yeah. So when he leaves, retire it.
2: <laughs> sure, fine. Yeah, the the
3: the Kazuchika Okada Pro Wrestling Championship, we don't need it. There's there's no place for it.
2: Yeah, especially if we're not just going to get, you know, like Shingo and Taishi just like spin kicking each other in the head as hard as they can, which was great. Those matches were wonderful. Those matches were fantastic. But anyway, we're a long way from there with uh, with this little bit of grab ass right now. Anyway, in our penultimate spot, we've got the NJPW strong Open Weight tag titles up for grabs with the champs. The G.O.D. team of El Fantasmo and Hikuleo defending against the Bullet Clubs, Chase Owens and Kenta. Um and we'll, we'll get back to me specifying the, the strong, uh, you know, business in just a minute. Um, I, I will, uh, I don't know if you, if you've kind of got this read off of it, Karen, I think like reaction to the rebooted GOD matches, you know, in the world tag league finals at Wrestle Kingdom, at Battle in the Valley, it's been mixed. Uh, and I don't know that, really on paper heading into this if this match was really going to do much for them other than just sort of establishing them as you know kind of the character baby faces you know taking selfies with the crowd giving kids you know the belts to kids to pose with and everything which is all great but they already have that they already have that sort of down there right and fine it plays well to the local crowd but i don't know how much that does in terms of establishing uh or continuing to establish their credibility um kenta and lp are both polling the crowd as to who they're cheering for to start with and you had better believe that in 2024 in nagoya kenta is stalling as much as he can uh lp does the same uh even chase gets in on the act and it's a full three minutes after the bell before we have any offense initially god is in control but kenta breaks up the crossbody and moonsault combo from lp and roughs him up outside of the ring Bullet Club slowly grind LP down in the way that kind of the traditional GO, GOD match structure that we saw during World Tag League. Uh, the commentary is acknowledging the very traditional Southern style of this, uh, you know, and and uh, Chase Owens' is training. And we get Ricky to Robert at the 12-minute mark uh, with uh, hicoleo shoulder-checking and lariatting his way through the Bullet Club. Uh, they ultimately get a hold of the big man, though, and Kenton does the shotgun drop kick and foot stomp for two. The power slam uh, by hicoleo lets him bring LP in, who finally does hit the crossbody and moonsault combo. Kenta hits a green killer for two. Uh, there are escapes of both uh, LP's CR2 and Kenta's GTS. The unidentified flying opponent, that's the assisted spinout neckbreaker by LP, gets a two. However, a miscommunication leads to Kenta hitting the foot stomp on Chase, and stereo godsend ch- chokeslam to Kenta and a CR2 to Chase lets LP pin Owens at about 21 and a half Minutes. Um, we get one or two matches a year, Karen, where Kento will stuff his bump card, remember that he used to be the best striker in the world, and really show out for a new Japan match. This was not one of them. Uh, I thought there were a couple of minutes in the middle of this match where he was doing some really good work with LP, and who knows, you know, maybe. Later on this year, LP will be the lucky recipient of one of those matches, those good Kenta matches somewhere down the line. Um, But, you know, this was another kind of, I thought, middling GOT title match uh, in which LP was doing pretty much all of the heavy lifting here. Uh, You know, I, I want to say that this ran long at 21 minutes and it kind of did. But then you sort of look at the rest of the card and say well, what else on this card should have gotten like the seven minutes that you could have shaved off of this match? And I'm not sure that there is anything. So this is kind of the exact problem of what we were looking at with Wrestle Kingdom, where it's like, oh my God, all of these matches, but not enough time for them. Kind of the opposite problem tonight.
3: Yeah, I was surprised at how long this match went, especially with... um. I don't want to say how little what happened in it, but it just felt like there was there was a lot of hemming and hawing and working, you know, around the ring. Uh I, I did take note that uh Kenta has gotten a new haircut and that is He looked slick. Akin. He looked
2: slick, I'll give him that. Yep.
3: That is akin to the haircut he had when he was in Noah and when he left WWE. Like he cut all off his shaggy Florida dad man hair and he, he's looking he's looking I I I'm not saying I'm getting my hopes up that he'll have a baby face <laughs> turn in 2024. I know my limitations in life, but I, I was glad to see that, you know, he, uh, you know, Orlando Kenta has uh, decided to, to clean up his act a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I really want to see this rehashed in a month's time for the other championship.
2: Yeah, that's the other issue here, is that <laughs> I, it was only I, the strong belts I, up now because we're getting the IWG ones defended shortly. Yeah,
3: And my gut tells me that because they're getting a second shot at the other titles, this is how they're going to split up the belts. Mm. Because ELP and Hikaleo, because of their time in New Japan Strong, are wildly popular in New Japan Strong. That if you're going to use them to promote them in the States as the, as, as the touring belt, if, if they're going to go back to splitting the belts back up and not absorb one into the other... This would be the way to do it. I just don't know if I could realistically see Kenta and Chase Owens as IWGP Tag Team Champions for an extended period of time. Uh,
2: I mean, if you want to do that as a brief transitional thing before you put it on a young up, like I, I, not maybe not even the War Dogs, put it on TMDK
3: for Christ's sake. Sure, (laughs) you know. Mikey and Shane need a run with those belts. Well, they're,
2: well, they're, they'll have the trios belts soon enough, I think. No, but uh, no,
3: the yeah. IWGP Tag Team Championships, not the number six man. If,
2: yeah, if we're talking about, you know, if we look back at all the work that Bishamon did in rehabbing those sorts of belts, yeah, I do think that uh, that you know, Kenton and Chase holding them, even for you know a transitional two months or whatever. Eh, not necessarily a good look. Okay, we are into our main event: a never open weight title match between champion Tama Tonga taking on Evil. Uh, folks might remember that we had Evil jump Tama and cut all of his hair off uh, after his match at New Year Dash, uh, and then afterwards, uh, Evil forced the New Japan staff, uh, kind of you know un- under under duress, uh, to have him listed uh, as the never champ on the website. Yeah, get in there and change the HTML or or or, or the WordPress site or whatever it is. Um, obviously, you know, that's a way of just trying to immediately hot shot this match as much as you can on short notice once, you know, it's announced that Tama is leaving, but look, ultimately it's, it's evil. I sort of feel like we're in the, um, the territory of the we regret to inform you that it is Jafar meme if, if you're familiar with that one we regret to inform you that it is evil in your main event there's there's nothing you we can do about it we we just have to sit here and endure it uh, if you missed the uh, the excellent most recent episode of the gentleman's wrestling podcast uh, Jesse Collins and Alan Forel had a great conversation about the state of New Japan happening just before the Okada news but in which if we're talking about kind of forecasting the future of all the young guys lots of value in that podcast there but anyway they were sort of observing that look as far as evil goes this is just part of the show now you come to a new japan show there's a 70 percent chance you're going to see taguchi doing his shtick and a 60 percent chance that you will see yano doing his shtick and there's an x percent chance that you're just going to see evil do his shtick it is what it is and that's you know there's there's just no point in even debating it anymore um Thomas strides through the ring with purpose and immediately goes after Evil. I like this. I like the way that he was just not having any bullshit, uh, whatever it might be, just charging into the lion's den and facing uh, Evil as well as all of the other members of HOT who are out there. He looked all business. Uh, he has a pair of scissors and is going to cut off Evil's hair, but of course, HOT are in to beat him down. Now, that brings out Desperado, LP, Hiko Umino, and Giotto all out from the back. So we sort of begin this match with the classic Nitro brawl, which usually ended that show uh red shoes realizes that look this is a little too much even for him and he has the bell rung to declare this a no contest at two minutes and 34 seconds uh tama and evil are jawing at one another on the mic thomas says look we're fighting today you have your people i have my people let's make this a lumberjack match and look karen after that kopw belt match this was where i just had to get up from my desk Take a little stroll around the apartment, sipping my coffee, trying to regain some sense of composure. Because if there's one thing H.O.T. matches have been locking in, oh, it's it's everybody getting their licks in. And look, I understand the thinking here. Just put it out all in the open. Make their interference legal and make the baby faces interference legal. But has this really worked in the past, you know, whatever it's been, three years of H.O.T.? Did that silly handcuff stipulation make us care more about H.O.T.? No. No. Now, that said, as much as I am, you know, like, pulling out my hair here as a jaded North American fan, I will say this. The crowd actually responded to this announcement when it was announced that there was going to be a Lumberjack match. So, hey, maybe I'm just a bitter jaded fuck, and maybe Gato knows that, you know, over-the-top steps are going to work in a town like Nagoya. So take my bitter, bitter jaded cynicism here with a little pinch of salt, because there was an actual audible reaction for this. Um, so new match here a new lumberjack match uh we get an eye rake from evil which lets him send tama outside for some brawling between everyone uh togo and Kanamaro suplex Tama onto the exposed floor we get the usual timekeeper table spot uh evil takes the mic to do his best vince mcmahon impression and tell tama you're fired uh there's the usual turnbuckle and shirt shenanigans that we get from house of torture red shoes is you know deciding that he hasn't had enough shine in this match yet, and so it does his big, big pantomime of refusing to count for the heels. Uh, you get more brawling between the Lumberjacks. They trip both men when they are both running the ropes. Uh, Tama begins to fire up with lariats, hits a plancha to House of Torture. Evil tries to run off with the belt, uh, but G.O.D. cut him off and bring him back to the ring. That's the way that, you know, Lumberjack matches should be working. Uh, the SRC and Supreme Flow get a two-count for Tama at the 10-minute mark. Uh, Evil gets a ref-assisted magic killer for two uh and now the house of torture lumberjacks have the advantage on the outside darkness falls gets a two as the crowd is really getting behind tama at this point he blocks and everything is evil hits a tongan twist and a chair shot from the outside gives evil a two on a roll-up however Jado repays that with a kendo shot to evil for another two count more ref bumps each of the lumberjacks are running in for their own signature spots tama dunks a bell shot uh, belt shot, rather. Uh, evil counters the Gunsun twice, but not a third time. Uh, he kicks out at two, though. Tama gets the Dive Shack driver. That's the double underhook pile driver that he's been using for a couple of years now. However, Dick Togo pulls Red Shoes out before the three count. Uh, he does the garrot Wire spot, but then eats a sun from Tama. Narita clocks Tama with the push-up bar when he's going for another Dive Shack driver, allowing Evil to hit. Everything is Evil to win the Never Championship at 18 minutes. Um, We'll get into the post match afterwards, but just for this match, this had more bells and whistles than a Spike Jones and the city slickers song Uh, in the G one. The amount of HOT bullshit is completely proportional to high up how high up on the card uh, the match is. And being in the main event here, they got a lot of it. Um, Look, this was the usual overbooked HOT stupidity, which I will say got a better look or excuse me, a better reaction from the live cloud than it normally does but again to kind of underline my whole thesis throughout this whole review just a real fart in a church of a match uh, to finish this card on a day when we're all thinking uh, about what the future holds for New Japan I don't know do you want to kind of like uh, rein back from my uh, from, from my bitter cynicism and pessimism here before we get to the post match Karen
3: I'll be a little bit of silver lining if I may please please this, do I'm sure this... listeners
2: are desperate for it at this point <laughs>
3: This, to me, was kind of a, a, a very, you know, a less than 20 minute summary of Tama Tonga's entire experience in New Japan. You know, he, when he was in Hontai before he joined Bullet Club, Evil was in the dojo, Show was in the dojo, you know, he, he that's where he got his start. He, and then, you know, he joins Bullet Club. He becomes the bad guy. He starts using all the heel shenanigans. You know, he brings in his brother. Jado turns on Chaos and joins them. And, you know, him and Despy before he, you know, before they both turned heel and joined their respective factions, they were close. And, you know, we talk about how Nagoya tends to set up Osaka and uh, Sapporo shows. It also added a bit of heat. I liked that he came out. I liked that, you know, when the baby face was in trouble, a bunch of people who had their fill of House of Torture shenanigans part mm-hmm. mm-hmm. pardon my language, fuck it, we ride at dawn, and they stormed the ring, they did what they could, they helped the match. And I liked that it was, you know, yes, it was another lumberjack match, but I liked this match better than the one he had against Sonata because yes. a lot of the guys are reformed heels who are baby faces now learning how to do babyface things yes. but when push comes to shove they're not going to be doormats mm. Despy's gonna sweep the leg out of evil when he's not looking jano's gonna sneak in a kendo stick when the when the ref's back is turned so for me it was the this is kind of summarizing everything tama did you know from the time he was the bad boy and he was in bullet club to him being kicked uh, Finally deposed as leader and kicked out of Bullet Club, and having to deal with evil and being on this death spiral. And I was wondering, you know, we we kind of moaned and groaned about, oh god, evil's going to get the title, evil's going to be the one to take it off of him. But how are they going to do it and not make Tama look weak? Yeah, this was yeah. the way that Tama was protected while leaving the company. And you know, we talk yes. about people going, you know, Okada putting people over on their way out tama did his all and put evil over on his way out did i did i did i clutch my chest a bit when he grabbed evil's hair and pulled out those scissors yes because for all his faults as as uh, you know house of torture evil that man consistently has magnificent hair i would fight tama if he cut (laughs) evil's hair (laughs) but it, it was it was one of those things where it was the was it overinflated? Yes. Was there a lot of shenanigans? Yes. Did the sudden stoppage by Red Shoes take a little longer than anticipated? Yeah, but given all the all the, the was going on in and around the ring, it made sense. It makes mm-hmm. it, it makes the matchups between you know having to do Kenta Chase Redux for the IWGP Tag it mm-hmm. has a little more spice because ELP and and you know Fantasma while well, they were like sure yeah you can have a shot at this one too they're not backing down. Umino and Narita. We wanted to talk about adding more spice to it. Well, there you go. Desperado having his fill of mm-hmm. Kanemaru, stabbing him in the back. There you go. Wato, God bless Wato, having to put you know being betrayed by Show when Show joined House of Torture too. It was it was just like everybody who has a program to build, but also lingering history with other people who are in House mm-hmm. of Torture. They all were able to get their licks in. Dick Togo and Jado. They went at it. I forgot who went after Yujiro, but you know Yujiro was there too. Yujiro <laughs> as the Tokyo the pimp rest. has has lost his appeal without Peter at his side. You can't be a pimp if you have no ladies on your arms. I mean, oh. it's just one of those things where, yeah, was it over was it a bit much? Yes. But one, this was as much of a send off as Tomo is going to get with the company. Mm. I, I like you,
2: that very symbolic read that you're getting into this in terms of kind of the the reformed bad guys the good yeah, bad guys the, the, the good
3: bad guy it, no. actually actually finishes his story has his redemption arc and evil's just you know evil guy it was like oh the consequences of my actions. try to run away with the belt i i never liked the purple purple but you know the fact that elp went as far as to pull his costume to the side to properly apply it and then drag him back to the ring yes for all those times I've complained about spots like that in this match, it made sense. It, it made them all feel like they were not just standing around, hemming and hawing and like waiting mm-hmm. to, thankfully none of the refs got involved trying to break up all the fighting on the outside. I think they figured figured out that when the lumberjacks are working, you let them
2: Oh, yeah, they did that last time, didn't they? They had the yeah. rest trying to break up the lumberjacks. Oh, God, yeah, they couldn't so even get the stip so, right last time. That's yeah, funny. so
3: this time around, they were able to do what they were supposed to do. You know, Kanemaru was pulling back the mat, and they they gave Tama the, the, the softest, slow back roll suplex onto the floor. It, but it was all of those things where he's been in the company for so long that he's crossed paths with these people for so long. Yeah, true. That they've had so many programs that if he had to lose... And I also liked that they dragged evil and the belt to the back so Tama could have that moment to tell everyone that he loves yeah. him and he's thankful. And you know, it, like, it, it, you know, like, there, when it was when he made the comment at um, Wrestle Kingdom that he was choosing his family over the company. You know, he had he's been in the company for fifteen years.
1: Yeah, you yeah. can't
3: be mad at him for choosing his family then be mad and not mad at Okada. You know what I'm saying? You can't mm-hmm. be mad at one and not the other. You can't mm-hmm. support one and not the other. So him choosing his family because that's how he grew up and he acknowledges that that says a lot for his personal character.
2: It really does. And I think like that's sort of, you know, kind of, you know, I've been, I've been very critical of this card, but we did finish on a really, really nice note here. Uh, Because as as Karen's alluding to uh, Tama takes the mic uh, and in the ring, thanks the new Japan fans for taking care of him and giving him a home. I love you Uh, backstage. He asks the camera where he would be without New Japan or its fans. Uh, He looks back at everything that he's learned, not just about wrestling, but about Japan and its people. Says that this has been the greatest experience of his life and that he will remember the moments and friends he made here forever. Um, Look, this is not nearly as big of a departure or as showy of a departure as the Osprey or the Okada ones, but I thought this was really short. It was sweet. It was very, very heartfelt and felt very, very real. As you're saying... Uh, and very fitting of the amount of time and work that Tama has put into this company I was just sort of wishing very selfishly that you know we could have had something like the match with Shingo at Wrestle Kingdom being sort of his swan song right something that I think speaks to the real work that he's put in over the last I'd say about three years or something like that and really really elevating uh, you know his in ring work and having you know some pretty great and I think still underrated matches with the likes of Shingo with the likes of Okada uh, etc. Um, you know, but hey, I mean, like like we said, we 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 need, you know, we we need the heel heat on evil, you know, for when Shodo Umino gets stuck in a nine-month feud with him for the never belt over the next little while here. But okay, okay, okay. I'll stop being pessimistic. I'll stop being pessimistic. Um your thoughts on this overall card, Karen. <laughs>
3: The new beginning, the the like the Nagoya new beginning show is always in that really hard spot because you have place p- places that were set in motion right after Wrestle Kingdom, but it tends to be like I said before I've said it several times on this it's the launching point for this tour for the new for the new year new year new me new beginning Nagoya c- could there have been more interesting matchups on it. Probably, but it's been a while since they've been in Nagoya that I think they just wanted to get everybody on the card mm-hmm. as much as possible. Um, that it was fine. Is it going to be one of the most memorable events in Nagoya? Probably not. Um, but I think... I think if there was... If the goal of this was to be the focus is on Tama's last met, like Yeah, ok- Okada news aside, if the focus is supposed to be on Tama leaving and this is being his send-off match, and this being his last time in a New Japan ring, you didn't want any one match to be potentially one that could outshine him. like Because mm-hmm. we, we've been in mm-hmm. situations where there, there's been a main event where the semi-main event was a little more outstanding, and we've talked at length about it. So it's fine for what it was, but I think the key point that we need to remember that it it's setting up a lot of wheels in motion for the next couple of months, at yes. least up, yes. possibly even potentially up till to, to Dominion in June. Mm. But the biggest thing is that it's supposed to be about Thomas saying goodbye to the company more than mm-hmm. anything else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to say overall, this is a, this is a thumbs down show for me. If I was trying to recommend things to people, I'd sort of say, okay, you could maybe want to watch the, the multi-man with Okada in it just to sort of see that reaction. But really for me, the, the, the two highlights of this show were just, watching okada do a little bit of a curtain call and again watching him just bite his lip as he walks back or again like we just talked about i think the very very real and heartfelt moments uh from tamatanga much more so than any of the actual wrestling because you know uh, what looked like a weak card on paper when we, you know, you and I were kind of figuring out the schedule of of all of these, you know, new beginning shows before the Okada news even breaks, I feel like it was just sort of weaker in execution, not just because, oh, the KOPW match was stupid or, oh, eh, who really cares about a Chase Owens title challenge, but because all of those things were just sort of left out there to sort of go as planned and kind of just go over like a lead balloon after the okada news you know it's it's the simpsons bit where homer has to go on stage and do stand-up comedy immediately after smithers has announced to the crowd that a small puppy, small puppy not unlike lassie was just run over in the parking lot nobody wants House of Torture, grab ass in the main event right now. You don't want a, co- a, a comedy title. You don't want a perfunctory Naito Sonata match, right? None yeah. of those things give you confidence. As you know, we learn that New Japan's you know arguably the biggest New Japan star, Sinsenoki, is leaving. Now, all of that said, there is a lot to look forward to. And as we've been talking about, the other thread of this show is setting up what's to come ahead. uh And as we were saying, you know, before the Okada news broke fine this is a weak card but it's one that's going to set up uh, a good amount of what's happening in the future so let's do that and look ahead um as we've hinted at a couple of times throughout here there's some really interesting stuff on the Core q and road to shows uh you might want to check out the uh, desperado kanamaro match for the iwgp uh, title on the 23rd eh, maybe depending on how much uh, house of torture bullshit there will be in that uh the uh, the umino narita match uh, as a singles match and then obviously definitely the never six man match on the 24th when presumably we will have uh tmdk defeating uh, ishii tanahashi and okada for those belts Uh, you also have the aforementioned united empire and bullet club uh preview card on the fourth where you've got all of these singles matches between all of those guys before the actual cage match then on February 11th, you have a now very big and momentous uh, Osaka New Beginning show with a rematch of the tag match that we just talked about. This time with Chase and Kenta going after the IWGP titles. You know, you're buying plane tickets for both of those guys. Get the most out of them. Uh, we have a Wrestle Dream rematch with Brian Danielson facing Zack Saber Jr. Like a match that I feel has just kind of like fallen into the back of all of our heads over the last couple of days. But oh my god, that's going to be great! Uh, you have the United Empire versus Bullet Club uh, cage match, which will be Will. Austin sprays last match in new japan and then for the 17th and possibly very last time a singles match between kazuchiko kata and hiroshi tanahashi um you know, that might, not, might match might not be the main event, but boy howdy, that cage match is going to have to be something special in order to steal the show that night. Now, Karen and I will have a full review of that match on the 11th, exclusively for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So if you're listening to this show right now on the free feed and saying, man, I need to know how all of this Okada pl- stuff plays out, six bucks a month gets you all of mine and Karen's New Japan shows. Plus, of course, John and Way talking about SmackDown every Friday night, Kate and Sino's collision core shows and oh my god so many ever other shows each and every month so after osaka it's fantastic mania season for a little over a week so if you are wanting to sample some of the surging cmll stuff you can do that with their annual new japan crossover tour then we get the final two new beginning shows in Sapporo on february 23rd and 24th those cards include uh, Tanahashi versus Matt Riddle for the TV title, Finlay versus TNA's own Nick Nemeth for the global heavyweight title, uh, as the latter makes his formal New Japan debut. We've got another singles match between Suji and Yurimura. So again, if we're trying to read the tea leaves in terms of the futures of the company and the future of its youngest prospects, definitely a match to underline there. You've got Taichi versus Shingo, which is always a great time. Ooh, and then... And then Naito defending the world heavyweight title against Sonata. Now, we should, which again, whatever, we've we've already gotten our thoughts about that. Now, we should also say, as we said off the top, New Japan has said, again, that Okada will be making his final New Japan appearances in Sapporo on February 23rd and 24th. More details will be announced at a later date. So whether we are getting, I don't know, some crazy folks from Okada's past, like, I don't know, they're flying Ultimo Guerrero in or something like that, Uh, whether pieces that already had a spot on the card will be moving around to accommodate Okada, whether we will have, uh, you know, a singles match between him uh, and one of the younger guys, we will have to wait and see, but one way or the other, Karen and I will have a show on February 24th reviewing everything emerging from both of those shows in Sapporo. And again, that will be an exclusive for patrons of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Karen, anything else you'd like to plug or shout out apart from uh, those upcoming New Beginning shows?
3: Uh, Next weekend on Saturday, Dream Slam Monthly will be coming out. And then on February 2nd, Post Pro Res with WH Park and I, we will be dropping our, you know, our monthly recap of what's going on. Uh, Other than that, um, they're on January 28th, is i did a guest spot with on must-see matches and for those who are very focused on rumble season a potential throwback to mercedes monet's past we are going to be reviewing nxt takeover brooklyn bailey versus Sasha banks as one of the like 13 women's matches that were ranked in their entire list of like 100 and i think it is the highest ranked women's match and for me that is one of I get th- that was peak NXT, you know, four horsewomen. I, that was my fa- one of my favorite times oh, it in great. NXT. Yeah. So I was I was very fortunate for our our own Mark Buckle D to invite me onto the show to talk uh, with him and Karen. So please, if you if you follow them, ch- check that episode out as well.
2: Sounds awesome. It is a strange and uncertain new world and future for Shinya Resu. but Karen and I will have you covered in the weeks and months ahead. So, on behalf of Karen Peterson, I've been Bruce Lord. Thanks very much for listening, folks. Take care.
4: Bye bye.